hello and welcome to episode 51 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Tonight, we are recording on October 1st, 2017. It is already October, and today is kind of cool because it is 10-1, which is a palindrome, so that's kind of neat. Um, my name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, the man who I could not do this show without and who um, I owe a debt of gratitude for putting up with me and speaking to me every week because I'm sure it's like the low light of his week every oh, week. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, my God. But his name is Brad Galloway. Brad, how are you? Good Lord. Okay, number one, none of that stuff you said was true. I enjoy this show very much, and I think that our listeners enjoy it too, and this is always one of my favorite parts of the week. And how am I doing tonight? I'm a little bit sad because uh, listeners do not know this, but before the show, we actually had a pretty good uh, little session of funny stuff, and we didn't record it or anything, and I was as soon as we got done saying it, I was really bummed that we didn't record that, because I think that would have been a good addition to the show. Also, I am really, really, really tired tonight. In fact, I am so tired, I, I feel like I'm high. And I'm not, I'm not high, because I don't do drugs, and I don't smoke marijuana or anything, but if I did, that's how I would feel right now. So if anything weird happens tonight, please just, like... Get like a syringe of adrenaline, just put it straight into my heart and bring me back to ground, okay? Don't let me fly away. All right. Well, I mean, we're in, we're officially in October and like people, you know, people are like crazy about Halloween and love Halloween. And I don't know about your Twitter feed, Brad, but mine, like, you know, people always like upload their silly like Halloween pictures as their profile pictures and they rename themselves like silly Halloween names. So I feel like we can just kind of blame any podcast anomalies tonight or the entire rest of the month on the fact that it's October and maybe we're just in some kind of like solstice or something of spooky Octoberness and we can just roll with it. It's interesting you bring that up because I don't know about you, but I hate it when people do that because whenever they change their profile <laughs> picture, and then they change their name. It's like, I always forget who they are. I'm like, wait, who are you again? And why are you? Oh, wait, it's you. Okay, sorry. I didn't get that pun. You know, everybody changes their name to like, to add in like bat or grave or blood or something into their name. And like, if they change their profile picture, I'm lost. Like, I'm like, dude, I do not remember who you are. Who are you? Okay. I, I hate it. It's irritating. Do you, does it bother you? Oh, I mean, it, the fact that people are being festive does not bother me, but the fact that I'm totally with you on the profile picture thing, because even though I, I mean, most of the people that I talk to on Twitter regularly, I mean, I tend to know who they are. I tend to know their names, um, but I totally, their profile picture is like the first thing that I zero in on and that I recognize people from. So if someone changes their profile picture, sometimes it takes me like days and like seeing their tweets like several times for me to be like, oh, that's this person who used to have that picture. And sometimes I I think subconsciously, I just kind of forget who a person is if they change their profile picture. And I feel terrible, but I wish there were like, I wish it were almost like Facebook in that regard where it kind of had like, you could click on their profile picture and you could have like a history of their profile pictures. And then you could be like, oh, okay, well, their picture was this when I started following them. And so now I remember who it is or... Um, or I wish Twitter in general actually had a thing where it kind of had a log of like when you started following someone, like the date you started following them and maybe their like 
their like re- most recent like 20 tweets around the time you started following them because there are so many people on Twitter that I follow <laughs> and I'm like and and I cannot I mean I like them you know obviously because I'm following them but I just cannot remember why I started following them or how I started following them yeah, or maybe they had yeah. like a viral tweet and I was like oh this is funny and somebody retweeted it so I'm gonna follow them and so uh, I mean I don't think Twitter is gonna be on top of that anytime soon considering they can't even get like white supremacists and Nazis kicked off of their platform. Yeah, but that would be yeah. a pretty neat, uh, pretty neat. I, I kind of tangented with this, Brad, so I'm sorry. But uh, that those are thoughts. I'm overflowing with thoughts right now about Yeah, that got, that got hella complicated, like, really fast. Like, I, <laughs> I'm really I was sorry. Just thinking of, I'm just thinking of just don't fucking change into a Halloween picture, <laughs> and then I'm good. Like, that's all, I, that's all you got to do. But yours was good, too. I think yours would work also. Um, Either, either, either way, dude. Either way, yes. Uh, you know, it's another tangent, by the way. And just heads up, folks. We're feeling a little loosey-goosey tonight. We may not be strictly on script, so just please uh, roll with it. Or I guess just stop listening now if that's going to be too loose for you. Um, but speaking of Twitter and the Nazi thing, not to get too political, but somebody told me, and I don't know if this is true or not, but in, was it, France and Germany, Twitter has to somehow like pre-screen people to make sure that no Nazi shit is getting through because I guess they have laws in their country that you can't, I mean, I don't know exactly what the laws are, but you, you know, you can't spread those messages or you can't have that iconography or something. And so Twitter apparently already knows who are people who are spreading that stuff because they're not allowed to share it in, in those countries. But here in America, they're like, Oh, we, we don't have an algorithm. We can't separate that stuff out. We don't know. We don't know who's doing what. So I think maybe there's some doublespeak going on. I'm not sure they're being completely honest. Have you heard about this, this uh, filtering in other countries? Um, I haven't really. But, I mean, it makes perfect sense because, like, as far as I know from stuff that I've read and things that I've seen on social media about Germany, I mean, it's obviously, like, like unlike the United States where we have, like, Confederate statues all over the United States, and that's a big hot topic right now about celebrating these, like, confederate quote-unquote like war heroes i mean they're not really but here we are um unlike us like germany they have like no no like statues or plaques or like commemorative um plazas or anything about world war ii because that's like i mean world war ii to them is kind of like saying bomb in an airport to us like it's just something that like it it just you, you don't uh, like commemorate it or you don't like bring it up or you don't like sell a uh, celebrate it, I guess is kind of the word I'm looking for, but weird. Cause somehow, uh, even without that stuff, Germany, I'm sure they still know how world war two ended up, but in America, we pretend like if we get rid of a Confederate statue somewhere that everybody's just going to forget how the civil war went. So, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's a whole other can of worms. I don't know if we want to do a deep dive on that right now. No, we don't. I'm sorry I brought it up. Yeah. No, no, that's totally fine, because I'm right with you, dude. I, I, we could talk for like an hour on this subject. I am absolutely against the stars and bars or Confederate statues or anything. You don't build statues to the people who lost a war and the people who were on the wrong side of that war. You don't build a statue to people who were in pro-slavery. That's not a thing that you do. So that's fine. We don't have to talk about this, but I just, just know that I am with you on this and uh, I am 100% against that, but... Anyway, I just thought it was really interesting that uh, Twitter seems able to filter in some places, but not others. So I think that uh, maybe people who criticize them for letting certain things slide in in the interest of clicks, uh, there may be some credence to that. So anyway, 
little bit of a tangent. I feel like we're going to have a lot of tangents tonight, and that is okay. So anyway, uh, how am I doing? I'm doing fine. That was that's that's my long <laughs> answer to your question. I'm fine, thank you, Corey. And how are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing really. I'm actually in like a really good mood. I was out. Um, I know I, I I sound like a broken record on every episode, and I, I but I don't even care at this point. I was out shooting parkour today in baton rouge um i know i've mentioned a few times on the show that uh, baton rouge is about an hour and a half about an hour and 15 minutes or so from where i live in the new orleans area and a few of the uh, parkour dudes that are sort of like in the group um, of people that uh, are kind of under the umbrella of parkour here live in baton rouge so uh, they decided that they were going to have like a practice day in baton rouge so i actually drove out to baton rouge today and photographed the parkour dudes there and it was like bananas like usually whenever i show up to photograph parkour there's maybe like one to three people maybe four practicing but today there were like eight or nine people out and it was just like great to be able to show up and photograph them and i i love photographing parkour um and i i photograph it less now that i moved to new orleans because they just don't practice as much and they're more spread out and I, i've talked about this before so i shoot skateboarding a lot more here and i love shooting skateboarding but parkour is like it's like my jam it's like my comfort zone and where i feel like i can really i really know what i'm doing and i can really like get in there and i already know today that i took like a bunch of like really exceptional pictures and i don't i don't want to like sound like big headed um because i generally try to let my work speak for itself as far as photography goes like i'm not gonna like shake your hand at a party and be like oh i'm a really good photographer it's nice to meet you um but uh i to just be feel fair, like you could do that i mean it would be fine <laughs> depends on how many beers you've had by that point but I, people would let it slide i would guess uh that's that that's true i mean i could i mean like I'm like a white man and generally like white men can get away with pretty much saying like anything. So, (laughs) um, so I, uh, but I, I just feel, I feel really good about the photos that I took today and I feel good about the collaboration that went on among me and all the other dudes that were out today. And like one of the guys, um, we were on a, a campus, a college campus in Baton Rouge. And like one of the dudes, uh, Ian, who's like the best free runner in the group, um, he like went up uh, like a fire escape thing and got on top of this building that's like four stories high. And he like jumped these like big roof gaps uh, between the buildings. And I was down there on the ground taking pictures. And like, I don't know, they're just like, I hate using the word epic because I think it's an overused and really stupid word. But like the pictures are kind of epic. It's like him, like four stories in the air, like jumping between these buildings. And I just feel, I feel really good about them. And I can't wait to look at them after the show. I generally edit photos while I listen back to the show and edit it. Um, so I'm like really excited to look at them later and to edit them. And, uh, you know, I'm listening back to the show and I just, uh, I don't know, I'm just like in a really good mood right now. So I feel, I feel good. I feel good about things. How, okay. So two things that does sound epic. Somebody four stories in the air jumping from building to building <laughs> that, I think that qualifies as pretty epic. Um, and secondly, I, you mentioned this before, but I've never really questioned you about it, but I'm going to, I'm going to pin you down now. All right. How do go. you, how do you edit photos and edit a podcast at the same time? Um, okay. So <clears throat> I'm going to do a mini deep dive on some, on some, uh, some behind the scenes, if you will. So uh, editing photos and editing the show, actually it works really, really well because 
when I'm editing the show, because um, for, for listeners who care, who are interested in how I, how I edit the show, um, Brad and I record on Audacity. Uh, we record our own voice tracks on our own computers, and then Brad sends me his voice track, and I put both of them in GarageBand, which is an Apple... Um, it's like the Apple... Uh, sort of like music and audio editing software that comes standard with every Apple computer. So it's not even like a big fancy um, like uh, like software bundle that I bought. It just it's just the one that Apple comes with. I edit our shows in GarageBand, but it actually works really well because <clears throat> if you think about a podcast, it's uh, it's it's audio. So when I'm listening back to the show, like I get our, I get our audio tracks in GarageBand. We have our little opening jingle and our closing jingle. I mean, it's the same jingle, but um, I. Uh, so, you know, I, I get the audio tracks in, I listen through to the whole show before I publish it, and in case, like, one of us, like, clears our throat, or if, like, my cat's meow, or something stupid, like, you know, I take the audio levels down to make sure there's no, like, weird anomalies, but editing photos works really well with that, because photo editing is a visual medium, and podcast editing is an audio medium, so I basically just put the vocal tracks in GarageBand and listen back, and then I open Lightroom, I edit photos on Adobe Lightroom, and I basically just listen back to the show as I edit. And I mean, for the most part, I don't. I usually don't have to do a lot of work when I edit uh, the show back. Like it's rare that there's some weird like noise that happens or something that I have to like edit in the audio. So I usually just listen back and then uh, and I just edit photos while I do it because I can listen to the podcast and I can edit the photos at the same time because they require two different senses. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. And then once the show's done, I, you know, save it and I export it and then I, you know, upload it to SoundCloud and write the description and all that bullshit. Um, but it actually works. They, they kind of go hand in hand, like one requires ears, one requires eyes. And it's, it's a good, it's a good way to use my time effectively. I feel like when I'm listening back to the show. Interesting. Interesting. I was, was kind of wondering like, like how... Are you able to split your focus and jump back and forth or how that works? But, I mean, you clearly get it done. I mean, this is like episode, what, 51? 51. 50, 51? 51. Yeah. So, clearly your system works. I was just in my head. <laughs> I just could not figure it out. I mean, I'm more of a – I am not very good at multitasking. I tend to focus on one thing at a time. So, I was always puzzled by that. But now, the mystery is solved. Indeed. And I think it – I mean, it, it says a lot. Like, I feel like you and I have built, like, the the very logistical foundation of the show as far as, like – when we sit down to record, the kind of microphones we use, the way we talk, um, that the way you, you know, we both save our files, you send me your file. I mean, honestly, 90% of the time when I'm editing shows, I don't really even have to make any edits just because the foundations of how we record are pretty good and there's no like weird stuff going on. Like, you know, my cats aren't running around meowing every night when we record and you know, like your wife's not cooking dinner loudly in the background of you recording or something like that. So we just like the fact that we have, you know, set aside this time for ourselves to do this um, really helps me edit because I usually don't have to like drastically alter anything whenever I do it. Well, yeah, I think the regularity really helps, too, because we always, you know, we have a set time, we have a set format, we have a set schedule. Um, I, I don't know about you, but like, um, I, I find that I function better on a schedule, which is kind of weird because, uh, my job is pretty haphazard and chaotic. And so like when I'm at home and I kind of count this as like a home activity, like I like things to be pretty, pretty structured. So I hear you. I like knowing that we can look forward to the same time and day and, uh, you know, we pretty much know what's up every week. So yeah, I, I, I feel you on that one. 
Good. I feel the same way. And, um, you know, usually before we start talking about, <clears throat> like, banter banter, we give the, hey, we're going to talk about some banter disclaimers. So. I know. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. We kind of jumped the gun on that one. So, yeah. sorry, everybody. Um, I feel like most of our listeners probably know at this point, like, how the show format goes. So, maybe it's kind of uh, moot to to discuss it but heads up if you're a first time listener or if you're mad because we were talking about a bunch of stupid shit that's not about video games um i do put timestamps in the description box uh for i generally put when we start banter when we end banter uh a timestamp for every game we talk about and then if we have like a q a or if we have like a special discussion i'll put that timestamp in so uh i mean people should know that if they look at the show notes which you I feel like you pretty much have to look at the show notes whenever you open a podcast, unless you just aren't paying attention, but that stuff is down there. Um, so, uh, I can't imagine that you wanted to talk about this stuff for your regular banter, Brad. Do you have anything special planned for, uh, for weekly <laughs> updates for your banter? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I actually have a couple things. Um, I, we don't usually talk about, uh, well, the official title of the section is the, um, what is, wow, what the fuck do we call it? God, I'm, man, I am so up game tonight. It's, it's the, the unnecessary, unnecessary ban- banter yes, unnecessary that's not necessarily not... game-related. Thank you, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners at home are like, what the fuck? They've done it 50 fucking they've, times. They've already turned the show off at this point. <laughs> I know. Like, nobody's listening at all, at all. Even our most fervent listeners are like, oh, my God, these guys. <laughs> anyway, so my banter, a couple things. So we don't usually talk about games in this section, but I am going to talk about a couple games tonight. Oh, just really briefly. Rad. I know, I know. Uh, Nothing but fucking games on this show, as people are are wondering. Do we ever talk about games on the show? Yes, yes, we do. (laughs) Um, So, Overwatch. I don't really ever talk about Overwatch on this show, uh, but I do play it. I mean, I am definitely an Overwatch fan. Um, Doesn't usually seem like my thing. I wasn't really sure I would like it when I jumped in, but I really liked it a lot. My whole family plays. We play as a team sometimes, so it's really fun. Uh, We don't play it, like, a lot. Like, we're not, like, competitive we're not on every Friday or anything. It's just, you know, when the mood strikes us, when we're all just kind of at home and just seems like something we want to do. So today was one of those days and I was really curious to try it because I heard that they did a lot of uh, changes to some of the characters, uh, specifically Mercy. Uh, Mercy is the healer character or the, the, the most dedicated healer, I guess, in the game. And I was watching some videos that were talking about the changes that were coming to Overwatch and that, you know, she seemed to get like a really major update. So I heard some people were pretty upset about it. Uh, some people were kind of okay. I mean, I don't really follow the Overwatch community in general, so I don't know like what the current thinking or current feel is, but I did hear a lot of people kind of griping about it before it happened. And, but the change happened. Uh, I don't, I don't want to get like too in the weeds because we're not really like an Overwatch podcast, but basically she's a healer. Her main power or her big power was the ability to bring a whole bunch of people back at once if they got killed. Um, So they changed that so she could only bring back one at a time. Some people thought that was going to be terrible. Uh, The other thing they changed is that when she does, like, her super ability, she can fly now, which was never a thing before, so that's pretty cool. And instead of um, healing just one person, she can heal, like, everybody at the same time. So they kind of flipped her powers around. Uh, and I think the changes are awesome. I just wanted to throw uh, a shout out to the the dudes and the ladies over on the Overwatch team over at Blizzard. I think that her changes are really fun. Uh, I've always liked playing Mercy, but I like her even more now. And I think that everything they did was great. So I know they work really hard. 
uh, constantly like balancing and rebalancing and taking feedback. And I'm sure people like dump all kinds of shit on those guys, even though they put out a great game. I'm sure it is a completely thankless job. I'm sure it's exhausting. I would not want to be a developer working on Overwatch at all, but I really appreciate what they do. And in case any of those guys or girls or whoever at Blizzard was listening, I would just want to say that was really cool. I like Mercy's changes a lot. I think she's really great. There's a couple other changes I need to explore uh, that I will get to at some point. But anyway, um, yeah, that was really cool. Good times. Now, I know that um, Patrick dips into Overwatch. and You don't play very much Overwatch, though, right? I... The only time I've played Overwatch is whenever Patrick's playing it and he gets up to like go to the bathroom and I like grab his controller and play for a minute. I'm not really well versed in Overwatch, but I do watch him play Overwatch. I overwatch him play a lot. You, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you overwatch the Overwatcher. Who watches the Overwatchers? So uh, I'm like kind of familiar with the characters and I also know a lot of their like one thing I like to do is mimic their voice lines whenever he's playing. So if he's playing as like McCree, is that his name? Do you do um, do you do impressions, Corey? No, is that, what I don't, is that what you're getting at? No, no, I don't do impressions. But like, if like he's playing, I'll be like, "It's high noon," and I'll like say like the stupid voice lines. And whenever you were started talking about Mercy, I was thinking about isn't one of her lines like, "I'll be watching over you." Isn't that what she says? I think so, but Jesus, I can't hear those voice lines at all when they're playing with all the bullets and explosions going on. <laughs> I know there's voices. I, ca- I can never hear them, dude. Maybe my hearing's going, but it's like, I, you, you you could be right. I don't know. I just try to annoy Patrick by, like, sometimes I'll, like, get right up in his face and I'll be like, I've got you in my sights. And I'll just say, like, really <laughs> stupid, like, their voice lines while he's playing and try to phase him and it never works. <laughs> Trying to break his cool, huh? That is... That is... <laughs> That's harsh. That's he harsh. hasn't said anything about Mercy, though. He was just playing Overwatch, like, today or yesterday, and he actually plays as Mercy a lot, because she's the one that has the healing stream, right, that, like, locks on to yeah. the character. Yeah, totally. Yep, um, yep, yep. Yeah, he, he because uh, he's got a few players or a few characters that he rotates through pretty regularly. He plays as Mercy a lot. He plays as, um, oh, my God, now I'm not going to be able to remember her name. The, like, really, like, buff chick with the laser gun thing. Zarya. Zarya. Yeah, he plays as Zarya a lot, and he plays as Mercy a lot. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, he, he has an... I mean, I don't, like, every time he plays, I don't... I'm not like, oh, Patrick, tell me about the new updates. Like, what's going on? Um, so maybe he, like, I don't know. <laughs> that he would is, be some pretty interesting pillow talk, right? <laughs> hey, honey, come to bed. What's up with Overwatch? <laughs> what's so, in the new patch? Uh, hey, babe, will you come to bed? It's high noon. It's high noon. <laughs> so well, uh, he hasn't said yeah. anything about her, but I also haven't asked, so I don't know if he's like been impacted by the changes or anything. I would be very curious to see what he thinks, um, because Mercy is one that I play a lot, and I think all the changes are awesome. But, I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure that there's somebody out here who's mad as hell that these changes happen. So, I mean, you know, that's the way it always goes. You can't keep everybody happy all the time, but I think that they did a great job. So I just want to give a quick shout out uh, to Mercy specifically and to the Overwatch developers. I think they're doing a great job. Um, Also, another game-related thing, I wanted to quickly recognize... um, I've talked about Marvel Puzzle Quest on the show before, haven't I? Uh, like every third show, probably every Brad. third Jesus. episode. Yes, yeah. every third Ugh. episode. Okay, so we get it. You, you like it, Brad. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> that game's great. Have I ever told you about it? That game's awesome. Uh, so seriously, though, uh, you, this probably is kind of like inside baseball. I'm not going to get too deep, but when the game first debuted, it had a pretty good mix of Marvel characters. They had, I mean, a lot of the very recognizable 
faces like you know Wolverine and Magneto and whatever. I mean, there's a whole bunch that pe- you know Captain America, Iron Man, all the you know most of the people that people recognize from the films. Um, but something that happened, uh, the developers never really talked about this outright. I don't think, but about I think within the first year of release, and I think the game is now in its third or fourth year, um, which is pretty amazing for a mobile game. Uh, they lost the rights to the mutants. So, like, all of the mutants had to be... They didn't remove them, thank goodness, because that would have really messed the game up. But they couldn't add any more. So, like, for people that don't know, Marvel Puzzle Quest, it's a match three mobile. Stars all are the... All the... Can't talk, sorry. All the Marvel characters. So you have... You pick three characters on a team. Each one has different powers. You match gems. Earn points by matching gems. And when you have enough points, you can fire off a power. So, like, Captain America throws a shield... Iron Man will shoot an energy blast. Wolverine will use his claws, etc., etc. So, after a while, they just stopped putting mutants in, and there was like a billion characters that people wanted to see added. They usually add one, like every two weeks or like at least once a month. They add like a brand new character to keep the game fresh. And so people were like, "Well, yeah, it's cool that we're getting all these other Marvel characters, like you know Luke Cage before his TV show came out, or Kingpin, or..." Bullseye or some of these guys. Yeah, these guys are cool, but like, where are all the super famous characters that are in the X-Men that we all want and they're not coming? So they didn't have any mutants for like literally like two years straight. It was just like a whole bunch of other people. And then finally, out of the blue, they announced, hey guys, just FYI, we got the mutants back. So everybody in Marvel Puzzle Quest land was like ecstatic, Super thrilled that, like, all these characters that people have been wanting for a really long time are now able to come back to the game or to be added to the game in the first place. Um, So they started with Rogue, who is uh, a mutant who steals other mutants' powers. Uh, Next is going to be... I think it's going to be Gambit, everybody's favorite uh, Cajun with a really dorky overcoat, and he throws cards. I've never liked Gambit. I don't like Gambit. Um, But then after that is one of my favorites of all time, Nightcrawler, the uh, dark-skinned mutant with a long pointy tail and he teleports everywhere i love nightcrawler so much so people are really stoked i'm really stoked and really glad to see that a whole giant chunk of the marvel universe is coming back to the game and it couldn't be happier so if you're a person who maybe bailed on the game because your favorite characters weren't appearing maybe it's time for you to come back just heads up mutants are back um let's see i do have one other thing that is not game related and this is not I don't think it's a funny story, but it's kind of a scary story. And I kind of wanted to talk about it here on the show just to kind of like as a way of just like processing it with you. Are you up for something something like this, Corey? Uh, yeah, of course. Let's let's dive in. All right, cool. So I was at Trader Joe's the other day. Uh, is this going to be just, about the coffee, Brad? This is, this is no, this process is not about, with me. hundred <laughs> percent. Not. I mean, I do need to process that. That's a callback to something that the <laughs> listeners don't know about. That joke makes no sense, although I am laughing. No. It's totally not about the coffee. Um, so I went to Trader Joe's. This is unrelated. And I went to the bathroom. So I'm in the bathroom, taking a leak, as as you might do at Trader Joe's. So I don't know about you, but like when I when I when I'm out and about during the day, like I get most of my work and I talk to people at work on email all the time. Like I'm constantly connected to email. It's really important and people need to like hear back from me like right away and I need to like check messages like all the time. I check email like 10,000 times during the day. So when I'm, I'm in the bathroom at Trader Joe's taking a piss, I take out my phone and I check email like I always do. Like I got to be in touch. I mean, I don't know if you do or not, but I mean, I fucking check my email all the time in the bathroom. 
I mean, I'm just standing there. I'm just staring at tile. I mean, I might as well do something productive, right? So I'm sitting there checking my email, and then I uh, I stick the email. I stick my phone on top of the um, the handle of the toilet. I mean, not the handle, oh, but like the little oh the fixture, the fixture. So I stand it on top of there because I'm trying to fuck with my zipper. And then there's a guy who's in the stall. I'm sitting at a urinal, and there's this guy next to me in a stall. And whatever, I don't care. I'm just taking a piss. Do not fucking care. So then he gets done with whatever he's doing, and then he comes out, and he's walking kind of slow. And, like, I hear his footsteps behind me, and it doesn't sound like a guy who's, like, making his way out quickly. It sounds like he's walking kind of slow. So I kind of pay attention for a second. And he seems to, like, pause. Like, I can hear him stopping behind me. And, like, he all of a sudden says... Yeah, it's not real cool to film guys when they're taking a shit. Oh and my I just God. like, I like freeze. And for a second, I wasn't even sure he was talking to me. And I look around and like, there's nobody else in the bathroom. And like, my phone is sitting on top of the, the fixture of the toilet. Anybody within a 10 foot radius can clearly see I'm on email. Like there's no film, there's no movie or anything. And I go, I'm sorry, what? He's like, you shouldn't film people when they're naked in the bathroom. And he's angry. Like he's literally angry. And I'm looking at him like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, what the, f this guy is paranoid, right? Like, like in a clinical sense. And he is also between me and the door. Like, I can't get past oh, him because no. he's blocking the door. And so I immediately like, you just like freeze for a second. And I'm like, my dick is still out. I haven't finished putting myself away from going to the bathroom. This guy is mad at me behind me and I can't get out from the door. And I'm like, oh my God, like this guy is. He's going to fucking try to throw down with me right here in the back. I'm going to have to kill this guy in the Trader Joe's bathroom. <laughs> and like, I'm like, dude, you're imagining things. You need to get out of here right now. And he's like, I'm not imagining anything. And he's angry. Like, he's really angry. And so I, you know, put my dick back away. You know, thank God. And I like zip up. And I'm like, you better get out. And he takes a look at me and I look at him and like, I'm not sure which way it's going to go. And then he just like turns and walks away. Oh, my God. And like, I was like, oh, my God. That was like the worst, dude. I was like. I, I don't go to Trader Joe's to start a fight in the bathroom. I don't, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody in there. And it was weird to me that, I mean, he clearly must have been unbalanced or something because, I mean, anybody could have seen I was on email. Like there's, you know, if I had had a video running or something, maybe, maybe I could imagine that. But like, I don't know how he thought I was filming him in the stall anyway. And so like, I just had that total like fight or flight response you know like when the adrenaline starts pumping and it feels like oh i'm in i'm in some shit right now and just fyi i fight like i do not run i don't freeze <laughs> i will i fight like you know it's crazy but like i started you know you start getting ready for it and if that guy had come at me i would have you know i would have gone for it but it's like dude that was just like i don't want to fight anybody i'm not there to fight i'm there to take a piss and buy shit at trader joe's and leave and it was just like a really scary moment so like it kind of just reminded me of how many like unbalanced people are like wandering around America, most of them Trump voters. And so like, I was just like, Oh my God, like it's really too close for comfort. And I don't want to start a fight with my dick hanging out of my pants ever. And I, it was really nerve wracking because I just couldn't have left. Like I couldn't have gotten through that guy without fighting him if he chose not to move. Right. So it kind of freaked me out, man. Like it was really kind of freaky and it kind of, this is, this is totally unrelated but you know, you know what the first thing I thought of was after that was over? Was uh, um, Were you thinking about the opening sequence of Casino Royale where he fights the guy in the bathroom and kills him? Because that's what I'm thinking about right now. No, but I'll have to rewatch that because that's, <laughs> that's not what I'm thinking of at all. I was thinking of um, the tea room, actually. Because oh, shit. 
Yeah, so we talked about the tea room. That was one of our most popular episodes. Oh, that was I love the, the one tea where. Room. Yeah, so we're talking about the tea room. And then after we covered the tea room, um, the guys over at Game Bar covered the tea room. And their discussion on the tea room was really interesting. I loved that they covered that. And that was another layer to add to that particular picture. And for people who don't know or don't remember, the tea room is put out, it's an indie game put out by Robert Yang. It's about one specific bathroom, a real life bathroom. I think it's in Ohio where police had set up a sting in a men's room that was being used for, um, you know, casual gay sex. And so they were busting these guys um, that were, you know, having sex in this bathroom, not bothering anybody. Uh, But one of the things that they discussed on Game Bar and one of the things that can happen, I don't think it happens in the tea room. uh, But like they were talking about. If you're in a situation like that in a bathroom and like if you are making if you're looking at a guy. So this is Game Bar talking about experiences, right? So they're saying one thing that 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 tea room didn't cover was that there can be aggression or there can be a misunderstanding or maybe some people will go to those places looking for a fight like some asshole straight guy will go to this bathroom and stand around and wait for a gay guy to proposition him in order to start a fight right so like that to me sounded like a really fucking scary thing and fighting in a bathroom seems equally scary because every surface is really hard there's a lot of sharp edges it's like a dangerous place to fight and so i was like oh my god like i was freaking out in trader joe's fucking bathroom and i was just in here to take a piss i was just like minding my own business right like, I can't imagine how scary it must have been for those guys to do something like that and, like, how awful that must have been in some ways. So, like, that was where my brain went immediately, and I don't know why it went there, but, you know, probably because we talked about it fairly recently. But anyway, um, yeah, that was really fucking scary, and I didn't like that at all. Uh, and that just really made me want to get that guy some medication and get him um, a rubber room to be in. So, anyway, that was my Trader Joe's story. That is, I mean, first of all, like... That like the situation is bananas. Like it, it's it's uh, um, like I was like physically getting very nervous when you were talking about whenever you were telling that story, and I, not because I've ever really been in a situation like that, but like uh, it, it's one of those things where like I mean he, I, I feel like m- maybe I'm safe in saying that you and I on a on a everyday basis generally carry out our lives in a very like normal quote unquote way, but it, it's so weird whenever you're in a situation like that that is totally alien and totally unusual and kind of confrontational maybe or something like that because it really like like I don't even know how to describe it but it's just such an unusual experience that you you almost like don't know what to do because I feel like if if I had been in that situation I mean I generally tend to just like shut down if stuff like that happens like I'm not into confrontation I just like don't speak, I shut down, I kind of, like, look the other way. But I feel like my my tentative reaction would have been, like, and I'm sure the guy would not have bought this for a second, but I literally would have, like, gone to the camera roll on my phone and been like, hey, do you want to look at the, the, the last pictures that I took on my phone? Obviously, none of them are of this bathroom. None of them are anything going on. So, like, maybe you can lay off if you realize that I wasn't doing anything. But, like... Uh, I don't, it's just like situations like that where they seem like maybe minor when you're telling them, but they really like stick with you for a few days. Like if something like that had happened to me, I would have been thinking about it constantly for probably like a week straight and been like panicking about it. And like, like, like what if he had left the restroom and had like 
told the manager at the customer service desk or something like that. Like it, it could have gone so many different ways. Like what if the Trader Joe's people had come in there and been like, and, and immediately thought you were the bad guy because he could have approached them and been like, this guy was in the restroom videotaping me. And then all of a sudden, like they believe him because they, cause you know, cause he's sudden he's positioned himself as the victim in the situation. And then they, find you and they're like listen we're gonna have to take you into the office and like talk to you about what happened in the restroom and i mean i'm sure you know everything would have come out because you would have uh you know been able to show them like hey here's the last video that's on my phone the last photos like obviously i didn't i didn't do anything in the bathroom but good god that situation could have gone so many different ways and just like thinking about it gives me like like super anxiety right now yeah, it was really nerve wracking. And I kind of was traumatized for like the rest of the day. And I, I mean that like, seriously, like, I don't say that facetiously, because I was really kind of freaking out about it. Because um, something like that kind of really shows you how little of a veneer that we lay over like what life is really like, like, you know, we have civilization, and we have laws, and we have politeness and etiquette and stuff. But like, that stuff goes away really quickly. And if st- <laughs> things start to go south, you know, like, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of that in America recently. Don't need to get into that. But I think you know what I'm talking about. And in this situation, like this guy, like he was angry. He looked like he wanted to fight me. He looked like he wanted to hurt me. And I don't know if he had a gun, if he had a knife or anything. I mean, who knows what, right? And like when you're faced with something like that, like you don't know which way it's going to go. How far is this guy going to push it? Is he going to back off if I say, hey, you need to back off? Or is he going to come at me? And then it's like you realize all those laws and all the etiquette and the pleases and thank yous aren't going to matter a damn thing if this guy is set on doing something that breaks the laws of civilization or that breaks, you know, the societal laws that we try to cling to. You know, if you say, hey, sir, if you if you hit me, you'll be assaulting me. Who fucking cares? He's not going to care. He's like, he's just going to be the shit out of you. Or at least he looked like he was going to. And so then it's really like, well, shit, you know, that's now we're getting to real life. If this guy's going to try to hurt me, I need to hurt him back or I need to like defend myself or I need to get out of here. I mean, seriously, though, you know, like it's like once the rules go away, anything goes. And then you got to think in whole new parameters like you got to, you know, evaluate things in an entirely different way. So like for a moment, for just a moment, all that civilization went away and all the laws went away. And, you know, it was almost like nobody else was in the store except for me and him. And it was like, what's going to happen right now? And anything could have happened. He could have pulled out a gun. He could have put out a knife. I could have, he didn't, I could have pulled out a gun. I mean, I don't have one, but he didn't know that. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, anything could have happened or I mean, who knows what? So it, it was just really scary to see that like something could have, something could have really gone south in a big way and in a hurry. Like if he decided to like punch me out or if we got into a fight, like nobody would have been there to stop it for like a couple minutes. I mean, I don't know if they would have hurt us or you know, it's kind of in the back of the store. So it's, you know, it's probably pretty likely that nobody would have come back there for the next few minutes. And who knows what, you know, I mean, anything could happen. His head could have cracked on the floor. He could have cracked my head on the floor. We could be bleeding out. I mean, who knows? Like one of us could have died in that room, you know? So I don't know, man, that was kind of, it's kind of fucked up. Did the not appreciate that one. Talking bit. about this, the more stressed out I'm getting about it. <laughs> I was, yeah, that's how I was feeling that day, dude. As soon as I left Trader Joe's, my whole day was ruined. I was in like a super bad mood the rest of the day. Like the adrenaline was pumping. I couldn't do anything productive. I felt like I needed to go run some laps or like go hit a punching bag or something. Cause I, you know, like it got me all riled up and not in a good way. Like it was like, you know, panicky and just ugh, not good. Do not like no bueno. So anyway, that was, uh, that was my little peek into the dark side of humanity in the Trader Joe's bathroom. Um, but that's all I have to say about that. 
Uh, did you have any other banter besides uh, the stuff that you shared already, man? Uh, I do have a couple of things to say. And I actually wasn't going to tell this story because I didn't think it was super relevant. But I'm actually going to tie a small, very minor experience um, kind of from what you were just talking about. Uh, this is in no way me trying to like one up you or anything because my situation is not nearly as... Uh, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, uh, I guess like direct or, uh, or, uh, uh, lethal maybe, but, um, I was oh, out, God, yes. um, I was out shooting there's a guy, uh, a skateboarder in town named Terrell and he is like one of the best skateboarders that I photograph pretty regularly. And he's like, I mean, I think he's only like 19 or 20, like he's young. He's a really good skateboarder. He's like super fit and in shape and he's been skateboarding for like ever and, He's really good, and he asked me if I wanted to go photograph him doing this, like, trick um, across town, and, and I mean, even though I photograph skateboarders a lot, it they really, like, never ask me to do anything specific for them. Like, they, they rarely will, like, DM me on Instagram and be like, hey, I have this specific thing. Do you want to photograph it? Usually, I just show up at the park and shoot them for a while, and then I leave, and that's that, so... I thought, okay, this is pretty legit. Like, he's, like, one of the best skateboarders I photograph. He's asking me to do something for him, so I'll go check it out. So I drive, like, 25 minutes across town to go meet him and his video guy, Blair. I haven't told this story yet. Have I already, Brad? I don't think so. I mean, you mentioned Terrell, but I don't think you've told this story now. Okay, well, I... God damn, I really hope I didn't tell this story on the last show. I don't think I did, but, um... Uh, if I get into it and you start and I you start realizing I've told it already, just cut me I'll off. I'll stop but... you. I'll stop you if you repeat yourself. But this okay. doesn't sound familiar so far. Okay, so there's like this like church area. It's like a church or like a school board building or something, and there's a small covered parking area. So it's just like uh, the strips of parking lot, and then there's like the little kind of a roof cover on top of it. It's nothing elaborate and. It's probably about seven feet off the ground, and Terrell wanted to skate uh, skateboard down the covered parking roof, and then basically like ollie or like jump off, and then land on a skateboard on the sidewalk on the sidewalk or on the street. And I'm out there to photograph him doing it. Uh, his friend Blair, who's like a video guy, is out there to take like some video clips of it with his, um, you know, like handheld camera. And uh Terrell climbs up on top of this covered parking uh parking thing and there's a guy in the parking lot in like a in like a pickup truck and we didn't know he had been sitting in his truck for like a half an hour because Terrell was fixing some stuff on his board so we didn't know like who he was or if he worked there or if he was just like somebody and so Terrell gets on top of the on top of the covered parking thing and the guy gets out of his truck and he's like hey you need to get down and it looked very apparent like he worked for the building like he looked like a maintenance guy or something and so Terrell, like, tried the jump once, and then he went over and talked to him behind the truck, and I couldn't see what they were saying. So I didn't know what was going on because I was out in the street. And so Terrell climbs back up, and he's like, hey, will you hand me my board when I climb up? So I hand him a skateboard, and the maintenance guy goes from, like, a considerably calm, like, one to, like, 11 immediately. And he's, like, oh, no. he's like yelling at Terrell, and he's like... He's like, I told you to get down. You need to get down. And he's like yelling at him. And Terrell, I mean, uh, Terrell was, uh, he was trespassing. Like, I can't act like he was like totally in the right here. But it's one of those things where Terrell like was looking at him and he's like, he's like, dude, just let me do it one more time, one more time. And then we'll get out of your hair. Like, let me try it one more time. And the maintenance guy was freaking out. And this just happened like last, like last week. So it's pretty fresh. And 
he and the maintenance guy was like, no, you need to get down. I told you to get down. You need to get down. I'm going to I'm going to take your picture on my phone and I'm going to show the police and I'm going to call the cops. And he was like making this big fucking deal out of it. And I mean, again, Terrell was trespassing, but it wasn't like end of the world scenario. Like Terrell was very cool about it. And he was like, hey, I just want to try this one more time. Can you let us do it once? And then that'll be that. And the guy was freaking out. And he was like, he like ran over to Blair and was like trying to like take the video camera out of Blair's hand. And he was like, oh, I'm not going to let you film this. You can't film this. I, I'm not going to let you film it. So Blair was like trying to like climb on top of his van to like get away from the guy and was like trying to reason with him. And like for a minute, I thought that like Terrell and the maintenance guy were literally like fight in the middle of the street. And this maintenance guy was like, he was like probably like mid 40s. I mean, he wasn't like a young dude and Terrell's like maybe 20 tops. So I was just like, I, I like I, I was sitting there thinking like, like, okay, this situation could go one of like a million different ways. Like I was, I seriously thought Terrell was just going to like swing his board and like hit the maintenance guy in the face. Like that's like where it was going in my head. Um, and, and the maintenance guy was just like freaking out. And like, luckily for some reason, the maintenance guy never came over to me. Like he never approached me cause he was very adamant about Blair. Like, you're not going to film this. I'm not going to let you film it. And like, I was sitting on like on the other side with my camera and he never approached me or never said anything to me, which was, I thought very strange, but it, it's kind of like the bathroom thing where like. I, I was sitting there in my head, like I was sitting there very calm. I, I didn't say anything. I wasn't arguing. I just sat there and like shut down and was just watching the whole thing go down. But I was thinking about like, what, what would I do if this freaking crazy maintenance dude like started getting up in my face and was like trying to grab my camera or trying to tell me to leave or trying to like push me or something like, cause I'm not a fight guy. Like I'm a, I'm a shutdown. I'm a let's leave. I mean, I've talked about this with parkour stuff on the show. Like I'm the last guy that wants to go on the rooftop. I'm the last guy that wants to climb the fence to go into a trespassing area. But, um, you know, it was just flashing through my head, all the different things that could happen. Like, you know, what happens if this crazy dude tries to get up in my face or something? And luckily, I mean, we ended up just leaving and, you know, Terrell didn't get the shot he wanted. He didn't get to try it again because the maintenance guy was being totally ridiculous. Um, but it, I mean, it was it was kind of a similar situation. Like I wasn't under a direct threat and I wasn't in like an enclosed area. But like the guy was just like, I mean, the, I, the maintenance dude could have handled it in a much calmer and more collected way but instead he decided to take it to 11 immediately and was like freaking out and it was just uh man it was a really um it was a really intense situation and I'm not in those situations very often and it was very uh very um I don't know uh just wild for me I guess god it sounds crazy so like what would have happened I mean I of course you can't answer this there's no answer for this but like, what would have happened if that guy started to fight with Terrell? Like, would you have jumped in or would you have just, like, photographed the whole thing? Or, like, would you have stood back? Or, like, what would you have done, do you think? I mean, of course you don't know for sure, but, like, what do you think you would have done? Uh, I mean, I I don't uh, – that's a really hard question for me to answer because I really don't know what I would have done. I don't think – I'm, like, 90% sure I would not have jumped in. I mean, at the at the least, I would have maybe, like – tried to pull the guy off of Terrell like if the situation escalated but I wouldn't be like trying to punch him or kick him or anything because I'm I'm just really not that person um I probably I would like to think that I would have taken photographs but I actually don't think I would have because I tend to 
in situations like that, I shut down so much that I won't even take photographs. Like I won't treat it like a 100% pure, like objective photojournalism moment. Instead, I'm more interested in just using my own eyes to see what's going on in the situation and remain alert. But I have a feeling that if, you know, they would have started like punching each other or something, I'm pretty sure Blair would have jumped in. And I would have just kept my fingers crossed that maybe Blair would have been enough to kind of get them separated and to cool the situation down. Because I, I mean, I've never been in a fight. I've never really been physically threatened, I don't think. So, like, I I really don't know how I would react in the heat of the moment. But, um, yeah, I'm glad it just didn't get to that point and we were able to to leave and, you know, kind of let it diffuse, I guess. Uh, interesting. You've never been in a fight ever, like in your life. No, no, I am not. Uh, oh wow, I'm I've not been that in guy. tons. I've been in tons of fights. <laughs> Won some, definitely lost some. Because uh, when I was younger, you know, so I'm like 41 now. When I was growing up, I was just as nerdy then as I am now. And you know, I was growing up at a time when it wasn't cool, when video games were still like nerd shit, and reading comics was like something that weird geeks did, and. You know, like, it's cool now, and people like, you know, Geek Chic and stuff, but back then, it was it was not cool. And, uh, yeah, I got picked on, like, all the time. I got into fights all the time. I had to change high schools a couple times because I got in too many fights. Oh, my and, God. Brad Galloway. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I was, I mean, not. I, I'm not saying, like, I kicked ass all the time because I certainly <laughs> lost more than a few, but I didn't lose them all. That's that's for sure. So, you know, the instinct of fighting, like, uh, yeah, I don't like it. I'm, I'm, I don't like to fight. I'm not out there actively seeking it but yeah man when that adrenaline starts going yeah i'm not uh i'm not one to run away and i don't shut down so anyway enough talk of bloody violence and <laughs> scary revelations let's talk about some uh video games i think it's probably high, t- high time we actually got to what we're here for indeed i mean it's a good thing you slipped some game talk into your banter because if so it's been like almost an hour of nothing but <laughs> like life stories right now oh my god you should put a little psa like cut a new one in at the beginning of the show and just say hey guys we went way <laughs> off the rails here's the here's the show notes please feel free to skip ahead <laughs> all right well let's talk about video games once again this week um brad has had a little bit more of a full plate than i have and i mean i to, to our listening audience, I apologize. I haven't been playing that many games recently, as I'm sure, you know, with my weekly updates, you totally realize. Um, I uh, just to be totally honest, I mean, I have Gamefly, so I rent games, but um, I'm not really in a position to uh, like in a financial position to be able to like afford buying games all the time. So basically, the only games I've been playing lately have been things that I Gamefly. And whenever I send a game back to Gamefly, it takes about seven to ten days to get a new game to my house if i'm lucky um or review games that i'm playing like dishonor that i talked about for two weeks in a row i was playing it and i reviewed it so apologies if you're someone who loves hearing me talk about games and i haven't had a lot to talk about recently but on the flip side if you don't like hearing me talk about games and you'd rather hear Brad talk about games, then you're in luck because he's been playing a lot more Jesus. last week and this week. So, Brad, what have you been playing? Good Lord. We, we're going to – you must be, like, in a Gamefly dead zone. I mean, I know you've said many times it takes forever for you to get new games. And for me, it takes, like, I think maybe two or three days. So that's a big turnaround uh, compared to what yours is. But I'm just going to start sending you a lot more review codes, dude. I'm going to, like, start flooding you with review codes. You can <laughs> play tons of shit. Uh, but, yeah, I am happy maybe. to – I'm 
<laughs> I am happy to carry the load uh, this week. Uh, first off, just a really quick update about SteamWorld Dig 2. I talked about it last week. Uh, at that time, in last episode, episode 50, I had only played like maybe like an hour or two hours, I think. I just was scratching the surface. Uh, but I have finished it since then. And it is just as good at the end. In fact, better. It's one of those games that got better as you went along, which is so rare. I mean, I feel like every time we talk about a game on the show, or at least recently, it's always like, oh, this game starts really cool. I really like first impressions. It's great. And then by the time I finish it, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck this game. Hate it. <laughs> but SteamWorld Dig 2 is like, it starts off pretty good. And it just gets better and better and better and better as you unlock more and more upgrades. And as the pace kind of picks up and as you have more abilities and stuff, it, it was really fun by the end. I mean, so hold on to your hat, Corey. Sit down if you're not already sitting down. Because I am sitting down. I, 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 I feel out of all people in the world, you will get the significance of what this means to me. Oh, as no. you go through, get ready, get ready. SteamWorld Dig 2. First thing you unlock, grappling hook. Uh... Second thing you unlock motherfucking jetpack that's right <laughs> jetpack and grappling hook i was like what oh my god 10 slash 10 g-o-t-y this is the this is the shit so i was in hog heaven as i'm sure you can imagine oh my god best thing i mean i'm gonna nerd out for a second here i love the grappling hook in steamroll dig too i think it's really fun and easy to use and great also the jetpack kicks ass because if you upgrade it enough it's one of those ones where, like, you have a cooldown, right? So, like, you get, like, X amount of fuel, you burn it, and then your jetpack has to cool off for, like, 10 seconds or something before you can fly again. But if you upgrade it all the way, all you have to do is let go of the button for, like, half a second, and you get all your fuel back, so you can effectively fly forever. That is the best thing in the world, dude. Unlimited <laughs> jetpack. That's the only thing better than jetpack is unlimited jetpack, dude. That is the best. Oh, my God. So good. So as you unlock this stuff, you get more and more capable, more and more options open to you. You can run around and just, I mean, it, it's just the greatest. I'm not going to recap the whole game because this is just a really quick check-in, but I loved it start to finish. Uh, I'm working on my review right now. It's going to be super positive. I really like it a lot. I would recommend it to anybody. If you want a Metroid style game with a little bit of like mining thrown in, uh, it's, it's the best. It's the best. It's one of the best this year. I really enjoy it. These guys at, uh, Imogen Forum Studios, and I think they're from Sweden. These guys can do no wrong. They have, every game they've made has just been great so far. So total, total thumbs up to SteamWorld Dig 2. I, I, I mean, it's not going to be my game of the year, but dude, you have no idea how happy I was. I was like a pig in shit rolling around with my jetpack <laughs> and my motherfucking grappling hook. It was the best. <laughs> So good. Oh my god. I'm very I'm very happy for you, Brad. Oh my god. It was it was literally the best. I in fact I pulled my wife over. I'm like, honey, look! Jetpack and a grappling hook look. She's like, oh <laughs> like she knew, right? Like she knew. So anyway, thumbs up to Seamroll Dig 2. Congrats to Image Inform. Another clear winner. Nothing but good um, about that. I have a let me jump over to my next game real quickly too, since I'm talking here. Uh, I have not talked about Cold Set Revolt yet, have I? This is the first time I'm bringing it up on the show? It is, because when you sent me the name of the game, I was like, what the fuck is this game? I couldn't even pronounce the name of it. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> yeah, their title is really weird. So it's Cold Sept, C-U-L-D-C-E-P-T, Cold Sept Revolt. Uh, this releases 
in a couple days. This it will not be out by the time I am you're listening to this, but there was no embargo on the reviews, and I've uh, I've posted my review at Game Critics already. Feel free to come check it out if you'd like. Get the lowdown on this game before it hits shelves or the download store, whatever, whichever way you swing. Coming out on October third for 3DS only. Developed by Omiasoft and it's published by NIS America. Uh, Corey, do you know you don't know anything about this game, do you? I all I've seen is the uh, cover art, and I'm pretty sure whenever I looked up the um, when I was trying to find like the publisher and developer information for it, I think there were only like three reviews on Metacritic so far, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I don't really know anything about it. It looks kind of like a Japanese ass Japanese game. Is it one of those? Yeah, in some ways it certainly is. So uh, a little bit of backstory. Coldcept, it's really, it's an old series. It's been around for, I want to say, oh man, probably like 15 years or something like that. But nobody knows about it. This is actually the third Coldcept game to be re- uh, released in America. And there are even more in Japan if you are an importer. Uh, they think there's probably five or six if you count the the ones that didn't make it over here. Um but yeah, I don't know anybody that's played any of these. I loved them. I think the first one was on PS2, if I'm not mistaken. The second one was on Xbox 360. And this is the third one, only for 3DS. So it's been jumping around platform to platform. But uh, basically, it's kind of a perfect combination between Magic the Gathering, like the trading card game. Have you, you know, you know what Magic is, right? Yeah, I've never played it, but I definitely know what it is. Okay, so you know what Magic the Gathering is. It's basically like half of the game is like a, like a collectible trading card game, and the other half is Monopoly. And it doesn't seem like that would be a thing that would work, but it really, really works well. So the story's not important. There's a campaign. It doesn't matter. It's just like typical JRPG fluff that they stick in there because they feel like they need to have a campaign. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, I like, I'm a guy who likes to finish a game. So I like that there is an endpoint. It's not just playing the game, playing the game, playing the game. Uh, but the story is not anything to really write home about, so whatever. The real reason to play this is because it is just fun to play. Uh, you start off on a board, and you have a deck of cards. You have, like, 50 cards. And the cards are a mix of, like, creature cards, spell cards, and equipment cards. It can be, like, armor, swords, weapons, whatever. And the board is divided up into five colors. It's, like, earth, air, fire, water, and... Neutral, and I realize those are not colors, but I think you can guess what those colors are. <laughs> it's broken up into four colors: air, water, fire. Yes, and my favorite flavor is red. So yes, um, <laughs> so you so here's what happens: you you roll some dice, virtual dice. You go around the board, so just kind of picture like a monopoly board, basically. They come in different shapes. I mean, every every stage is a different shape of the board, but it's all basically the same. You go around the board, you land on a square, Uh, whatever color square you land on, you can summon a creature. And then if you have a creature on that square, then you own that square. It's the same thing as like buying a property in Monopoly, basically. Um, There's a few twists to it. I don't want to get in the weeds, but, you know, if you have a red creature on a red square, it's stronger. If you have a green creature on a red square, it still works, but he's weaker. So it's better if you match the colors, but you don't have to. So basically, you just keep rolling dice. You go around the board. You lay down as many creatures as you can, which is effectively like buying as much property as you can. Every time you go around the board, you get some money, just like, you know, like passing go and monopoly. And, uh, yeah, you just kind of go around. You play with at least one other person, uh, whether they be AI or online. And sometimes you can have multiple opponents in a match, sometimes two or three or whatever. 
and you just kind of go around. Like, so it seems really simple. The complexity is in the cards because in addition to the stuff that you're summoning, you have a bunch of cards in your hand. And if someone lands on a square that you own, if they can't do anything, then they have to pay you however much that square is. Same thing in Monopoly. You land on somebody's property, you got to pay them the toll. But the twist is if they have a creature that they think can kill your creature, you can fight. And if they win that fight, then they take over that property and you lose it. So really, that's all there is to the game. Um, that is like a super, super simplified, in a nutshell, kind of a version. But that's really all there is to it. So it's basically like Monopoly, but you have the option to like fight if you land on somebody else's territory. Uh, there's a lot of complexity to the cards. I mean, there's a lot of different creatures with different abilities. There are different pieces of armor that you can use. They're all like like single use. So you got to kind of like use them strategically, you know, wait till you're, you really, really need to use them. And then you can use those. And then after the, the battle's over, you toss them away. Uh, spells can have all sorts of abilities. You can get rid of a creature, instant death a creature or, you know, whatever. So it's all about like having a deck that's capable enough to win a game, but it also has to be flexible enough to deal with different situations. And, you know, with the different colors, I mean, you can, you can, try your luck and specialize you can say oh well i'm a guy i'm just going to do all fire creatures all red that's all i'm going to do and you can play that way and you can have a really strong red hand and maybe you can own the red part of the board but if you land in a different color you might be too weak so maybe that's not the best strategy or you want to maybe diversify a little bit you might have a little bit of each color which is fine because you're pretty spread out you can handle a lot but you're not going to be super strong in any color so it's just like any of these collectible card games it's kind of like your personality. It kind of depends on what you like to do. Are you really aggressive? Are you really defensive? Do you like to have a lot of options? Are you really focused? And also, as you're playing the game, you earn money. Whether you win or lose, you earn money, which is nice because um, you're going to lose a lot in this game. The AI is out for your ass in this <laughs> game. And it is, and not in the good way. It is the bad way. Uh, I lose a lot in this game. And I feel like this this particular version's AI is tuned really brutal. Um, I've beaten the other games. Uh, the first two that came out in America completely finished them. And that was um, a lot of work, but it was worth it. Really enjoyable. Uh, I did not finish this one. And I think it's kind of on indefinite hold because it got really hard. And I just was <laughs> like, man, it's like fourth quarter. It's the craziest time of year for a game reviewer. There's like 50 games coming out a week. And I can't afford to be playing like, you know, level three, 10 times in a row before I pass it. I mean, I think they could have dialed the AI back a little bit. I feel like this particular version is harder than it has been in the past. Maybe it's my imagination, maybe not, but AI is definitely, definitely brutal in this one. But that aside, you get money whether you win or lose, and that money can be used to buy more cards. So if anybody's ever played a collectible card game, you know how that works. You know, you buy cards, you get some common cards, you get some rare cards, uh, you know, hopefully you want more of the rares because those usually are the stronger ones. You mix and match your deck as you go, and that's just what the game is. So pretty niche. I don't really know anybody in my circles who's really played it or who is an expert at it. I mean, I, I think I probably have played it more than anybody else I know, which is weird. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good game. I think this is a good version. It's got lots of options. You can play it online, uh, easily accessible. I almost want to recommend the 360 version over this one because I think it looks better on a bigger screen. And I honestly think the AI is a little bit easier on the 360. 
I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like it was. Uh, but either way, I think this is a good version too. Uh, definitely good stuff. And if this kind of sounds like your thing, kind of like a tabletop game when you see the Monopoly angle, kind of like a collectible card game because it's got like the Magic the Gathering angle, but it's all automated and you don't have to carry any equipment around with you. So that's the, the video game angle. I think it's a pretty good package. I think it's a fun game. I like the mechanics a lot. And I'm betting that most of the people listening to the show or the people who might be looking at it when it releases on October 3rd have no fucking idea what it is. I bet nobody's even heard of it. So <laughs> hopefully people will check it out. I think it's got a lot to offer if you like those kind of things. Does this seem even remotely like something you would check out, Corey? You, Brad, you know what the answer to this I is. I already know what the answer is, <laughs> but I feel obligated to ask you. I feel like I should ask. I don't want to assume that is very uh, that's very um, courteous of you, but I, this is not something that I would play. But to its credit, um, I, I only got a glance at the box art when I was looking up this game earlier. But from the box art, this the way you describe the game does not like looking at the box art. I would have never thought like, oh, this is like a magic monopoly mix up like the front cover of the game makes it look like some kind of jrpg or something to me or maybe like an action rpg so it's interesting that that's what it is but totally not my cup of tea sounds like i didn't think it would be but you never know you never know but it is what it is this is this game is basically unchanged in every iteration that it comes out on in fact, I think even some of the art is the same that's been passed down um, from the PSD all the way down. I mean, I think it's, it's not a graphical powerhouse. It's not going to impress you with the bells and whistles. It's all about the gameplay, but the gameplay is still solid. So hopefully someone listening to this podcast will be like, oh, I've never heard of this game, and that sounds like my cup of tea. And if that happens, then my work here is done. Check it out. Be prepared to lose a lot, but I still think it's a lot of fun, <laughs> and I think it's a real good package. So that is called Sub Revolt on October third coming up soon should be out the day after the show hits the air now Corey, Corey motley sir i have been waiting a long long time <laughs> for you to play little nightmares we talked about this i mean a while ago like it was one of our earlier episodes i feel like i yeah. i played this game earlier this year i liked it uh a lot for people who may not have heard that episode or don't remember i thought this was a fantastic game and i've felt like this was going to be up your alley and i'm very curious to know was i correct okay so let me i need to preface please do please i do. need to preface this so i i want to just flat out say that i i will fully admit that i feel like i did a disservice to this game whenever i played it because um, for those who don't know or who don't remember from Brad talking about this, because we did talk about this game like several months ago. Um, it yeah, came out long in time April ago. Yeah, of 2017. Um, it's called Little Nightmares. It's published by Bandai Namco. It's developed by... Uh, I'm going to get this this pronunciation wrong. Tar, it's either Tar Tarzier Studios or maybe it's like Tarzier and it's like French or something. Um, I think it's Tarzier Studios. Tarzier. Okay, good. Because I did not know, but... Uh, it's developed by them, and uh, it's out for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. And I had been interested in this game, and whenever Brad was talking about it several months ago when he played it, uh, basically all that did was make me more interested in it. So I, I rented it from Gamefly, and for probably like three or four weeks running now, I've been like, 
when like Brad's like, oh, what are you going to play on the next show? I'm like, oh, I'm talking. I need to play Little Nightmares. I have it. I need to play it. And I've been, I mean, uh, lately I've been a very big night owl. Um, and I've been, you know, I feel like most people know that I generally, I maybe have talked about this on the show before that I go to bed at like seven o'clock in the morning and I wake up at like 4 PM. But the, for the past like three weeks or so, I've actually been having a pretty regular schedule. Like I've been getting up at like nine or 10 AM, um, which is regular for me. I realize it's not like six or 7 AM, like some people who have to work that early, but I've been, I've been going to bed between like maybe like 1 or 2 a.m. is the latest I've been staying up, which might sound late for a lot of people, but that's actually super mild for me. And Little Nightmares is kind of a horror game. It's like kind of a 2D, like scroll side-scrolling, um, like a very um, atmospheric, kind of scary, suspenseful game. And whenever I play those kind of games, I like to give those games the setting they deserve and I prefer to play them at night Uh, after the sun goes down I turn off all the lights in my apartment or in the living room and I put on I've got the PlayStation 4 um, like Sony headset I don't like the gold headset or whatever it's called so it has like built-in surround sound Um, and and I basically go all out you know I, I pull up the couch a little bit closer to the TV so I can like really take it in And I basically dive in as much as I possibly can when I play a horror game because that is how I like to experience them. But because I've been going to bed earlier and I've been getting tired later, um, I I haven't felt like staying up to play a horror game lately. So I have to admit, I played this game in one sitting today, but I played it at like 10 a.m. when it was bright out. And like for part of me playing it, like Patrick was like, sitting next to me on the couch or he was walking around and I prefer to play these kind of games like by myself so I don't have anything like distracting me I can like really dive in so I didn't give this game the setting that it deserved to play it um, and I feel like that that made me like the game a little bit less which is my fault it's not the game's fault um, because I feel like horror games deserve a certain kind of setting to be played in like depending on how you like to approach them so uh, basically, the the point of this game, after that long, 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 long uh, prologue about how I played the game, um, this game is about a little... you. It's a third person. Um, it, it's kind of a side-scroller, but there's like four in background for you to move in and out of, so it's not like Limbo or like, uh, you know, something like that, where it's like full-on, you can only move left, right, up, or down. Um, it's got some depth to the stages, Uh but it is a game where you play as a young, a little girl in a yellow raincoat, and you wake up in this, it looks kind of like a like a dank, like, boat area where you're, like, in the depths of this, like, boat thing because it's kind of moist and there's, like, water dripping and it's kind of gross. And it just, the whole scene just looks not, like, not somewhere you'd want to wake up in. And... As you go through the game, you are kind of trying to escape from this vessel that you're in. And it's one of those games that does long-term suspense really well, where you kind of have, like, no clue what the fuck's going on the whole time you're playing the game. You're just sort of, like, making your way through these through this puzzle platforming stuff with these, like, really grotesque kind of creatures around you and characters and stuff. And... There's different segmented areas, like you start out in the depths of the prison, and then there's like a kitchen section where you're making your way through the kitchen of the boat, and there's like the chefs walking around and cooking, and 
there's a section where you're in like the guest area of the vessel and like it's the section that has like a lot there's like a lot of npcs in it and they're these really gross like very bloated uh humans and they're just really gross looking and i think the game does the the visual style that it's going for very well it's almost like if you watched like a tim burton animated movie and then like it haunted your dreams that's like kind of what the (laughs) game looks like it's like it's really gross and it's really um like skeevy and it's and i mean these all as compliments like these are complimentary terms um because it's supposed to look that way and it pulls off the aesthetic that it's going for very well in a very creepy way and some of the boss uh for lack of a better word characters are also incredibly creepy like one of the first um major sort of like boss characters you encounter is called the janitor and he's like he's like this very stumpy guy who has like really really short legs but his arms are like extra long and they're just like these creepy like long fingers on these long arms and he has like a bandage over his face and his part of his eyes and he can't see but he can like use his gross like long like noodle arms to like chase you around and it's so oh god it's so fucking gross but in a good way in a good way um but uh i mean overall i liked i don't want to dive in too deep on it because i don't want to get spoiler but i like this game i but i have some issues with it i think that some parts of it are too hard um there were about three or four times throughout the game that i had to look up an online guide to figure out what to do because i was having a hard time or i kept dying over and over again and i was getting really frustrated um and i also think um and brad you might disagree with me on this but i actually think it's kind of too short and i don't say that often about video games but like it does a weird thing where like the first chapter of the game is paced pretty well, but it's paced in a way where you don't know what's going on. And then what I notice is that each chapter after it kind of gets shorter and shorter and shorter. So like I was expecting maybe like a long chapter and then a short chapter and a long one and a medium one and a short one and a long one, but really it's just kind of like long, shorter 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 and then it's over so the game kind of like decrescendos a little too quickly for me and by the end of the game i didn't really have any better grasp on what was going on than i did at the beginning which is okay because the game reminds me a lot of like uh like inside for example and um i I adore inside i think the game is fantastic i know brad you're not that hot on it but i love that game And it kind of reminds me of Inside where you're just kind of playing the game and you like very slowly kind of pick up on details about the world, but you don't really get like a concrete idea of the story surrounding it. Um, But I don't know. That's just a lot of uh, just like, you know, word vomited for like 10 minutes about how I felt about the game. So, Brad, I know you've played it. I know you're excited to hear me talk about it. What uh, what do you have to say in response to anything I've said so far? Um, It sounds... I mean, it sounds like you kind of like it, but maybe you kind of don't. I mean, did you... I didn't think it was the kind of game where you would be, like, frightened. Like, I don't think it has the same kind of uh, scares, to me anyway, that, like, I would get from a first-person game. Because it's not like I'm in the game or, like, I'm seeing these things through my character's eyes. Like, you know, you're manipulating a character who's pretty small and they're escaping from all these situations where these big, gross, disgusting guys want to eat this little character... (laughs) <laughs> um, 
And, you know, like you didn't really describe it, but like on the ship, like there's a lot of like meat cutting and a lot of like food oriented kind of horror. And mm. th- these little people are kind of used as, as food on the ship, which is really gross. Um, so it didn't it, it wasn't scary to me in the same way that I think maybe a first person game would be. But I really liked how just fucking creepy the visuals were and unsettling it was and how. I mean, I kind of agree with you. I, it wasn't. It didn't really nail down a lot of things specifically, but I don't think it needed to. Like, I think what you got was good for what it was trying to deliver. I mean, did you did you like it in that way? Like, did it really, you know, you know, kind of skeeve you out a little bit, or just the whole setting? Did it? Did it I don't know. Make you feel like all just get the willies at all? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely did, and it, it and I mean, it, in a, in like the best way possible, it made me feel gross because like the character models for the for all the characters who aren't the little girl that you're running around as are just totally disgusting like it looks like i mean kudos to tarzir studios because like it basically looks like they somehow got donald trump in their motion capture booth and like (laughs) bloated him up times 100 like that's basically what it looks like it's like this fat bloated disgusting people who like eat a lot and they're just like constantly like shoving disgusting food into their mouths and it's just so gross but in a good way but it's it's so nasty yeah it's really gross it's really gross um very gross i mean that was the thing that really got me the most was like the imagery was just disgusting the way they look (laughs) and just everything about it like there's the few scenes towards the end of the game where just like you know it's not real because these characters are just these weird proportions and they're so doughy looking and odd. But at the same time, there's something just really, really deeply unsettling about them too. And I, you know, I don't want to spoil anything either. But ugh, some of those scenes, I'm just like, I can, I can totally see it in my mind still, even today. Just like how gross some <laughs> of that stuff was. Um, I didn't think it was too short though. I thought it was just the right length because if it was a little bit longer, I think I would have started to get bored by it. Although I do agree, like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself. Like, I think it was the right length because I was playing the game for as many hours as I wanted to play it. (laughs) But I do agree that the story kind of comes to like a little bit of a, like narratively script wise, it kind of comes to an end a little bit too soon. So I definitely agree with you on that. I don't know if you know or not, but they are releasing two or three DLC can't, I mean like add ons. Like I don't think it continues the main story, but I think you play as other people on the ship, uh, the ship of big monsters. And so I think you start in like other places and you have different tasks and stuff. I haven't played any of it yet, but I was interested in, in checking some of it out because I did enjoy um, this game quite a bit. So I might come back for the DLC. Would you be interested in playing more of it? Um, I actually did look that up after I played the game today because I had remembered seeing um, that there was like some kind of DLC or something out for it. And I went to <clears throat> the game page on the PSN store, and uh, I was actually kind of shocked to see that they have a whole like season pass for this game that uh, that lets you you know download each uh, DLC as it comes out for free. I mean, not for free; you buy the season pass, but the season pass is only like ten bucks. It's like not very expensive, and there's only one DLC out right now, and it's um it's only like three or four dollars, so like it's really reasonably priced. Um, and what you said is correct. From what I noticed, uh, the DLC that's out already, you play as like somebody else on the boat under different circumstances. And, you know, we're trying to sort of like lead like a parallel story to the main character. Um, but uh, I mean, 
like four. I think the DLC was like three ninety nine or something, and that's really, really, really cheap. And I wasn't enamored enough with the game to want to even spring four bucks for extra content. So like, although I think it was a good game, I wasn't like ready to pump like four extra dollars out there for some more content, even though I oddly thought the game was too short. So I also feel like I'm contradicting myself here. But um, I uh, I mean, I was definitely impressed with it, but not maybe not as much as I thought I was going to maybe. Did I uh, did I build it up too much for you, or did you was it just like did you just wait too long to play it? Do you think? Well, I might have waited too long to play it, and also like I said in my intro, I think if I had played it at night, like with nobody around and all the lights off, and actually gave the game sort of like the audience it deserved, I think I actually would have liked it better um, had I done that. But um, I just didn't. Uh, I, I just, as the days have gone on in this week, I didn't have time to want to stay up late to do that. I didn't want to, uh, use my nighttime to do that. So I was kind of forced to play it during the day today, which is unfortunate. And I apologize to the game and its developers for sort of playing it in the wrong setting. But, uh, that's just sort of how I had to do it to fit it in for the show. Well, that's funny because, um, when I played it, I played it like full on daylight. I think my wife was in the room. I think I requested that she sit in the room with me. So yeah. I'm just I'm super scaredy cat when it comes to scary games. And even though this one wasn't quite as frightening in the way that I am most scared of, it still was like really creepy. So I was like, I was happy to play it in the non optimal settings. So uh, <laughs> it's funny that the game would like land on us like in, in two different ways because of that. I would never in a million years ever play a horror game in the dark with headphones on and like by myself. Are you kidding me? What are you nuts? You're nuts. I would never do that. So anyway, well, I'm glad that you tried it. I mean, and it seems like you felt like it was worth playing. Yes. Yeah, it was worth playing. And I definitely recommend it. Um, like if you're someone who's looking for like a sort of 2d side scrolling, very creepy imagery, um, slightly reminiscent of like silent hill via a play dead game kind of uh definitely recommend it and i'm sure you can probably find it for pretty cheap um you know if it's like used or on a sale or something i definitely recommend it i just i don't know i just there's just it just didn't have some sort of like like magic thing that really made me like love it because i could have easily had loved this game and maybe it was part of the difficulty like sections where i just died too many times and i got frustrated or something like that um but it was i just feel like it's a game that i like a lot but it was missing just that like extra hint of like something magic to make me like really really like like it or perhaps even love it that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I liked it a, a, quite a bit. I mean, I really enjoyed it a lot. But yeah, I did feel like it needed just like a little bit more salt or a little bit more spice on it um, in a few places. But overall, I really I, I dug it a lot. I just like the the juxtaposition of the small character to kind of dodging like big characters. It's kind of reminded me of Fraggle Rock in a way. You ever watch Fraggle Rock? You ever see that? No, I didn't. Do you know what Fraggle Rock is? Yes. Okay, so it's kind of like in in that in that show. You know, there was like this kind of like ecosystem where like humans were like the biggest thing. But then you looked in this tunnel under their house and there were these fraggles and they <laughs> lived in these caves, which were like, you know, Jim Henson Muppet creations. And within the fraggle caves, there were like these little small guys that were like these builder guys. And so they were like even smaller than them. But then when the fraggles went out to their magical backyard, there were like other creatures that were larger. So like it was a constant back and forth between 
in one section they were big and in another section they were small and like this kind of size differential between them was always kind of fascinating to me and i felt like that was a little bit echoed in um in little nightmares not exactly but kind of like a little bit of a flavor of that so maybe that was what was really endearing it to me but uh overall i really liked it I liked the imagery i liked uh the grossness i did like the 2.5 uh nature of it i do agree that some of the sections were a little bit difficult sometimes depth was hard to tell in a few places but uh overall i liked it and i'm glad that you played it even if it wasn't like a total winner so Oh, did well. it um did it remind you i as i was playing through it i found it reminding me a lot of Candleman. did it remind you of Candleman at all brad uh no i mean maybe a little bit in a vague sense but not really what part yeah, of it what I don't made know. you think of that i don't know maybe it was just like how the platforming worked or maybe like the lighter because i forgot to mention this but the main character has a little like zippo lighter that you can use to like look around and light some different like candles in the area to, to kind of keep the atmosphere lit up. But for something about it just made me think of Candleman and I love Candleman. I love that game. Um, and maybe that's part of it. I was like, Oh, this game's giving me like really slight vibes of games that I like more like inside and like Candleman. And it just kind of like put it in perspective for me a little bit better in that way. Yeah, that's very possible. I mean, I think that you'd liked, Candleman. I mean, I liked Candleman, but I think you liked it more than I did. And you definitely liked the Playdead games more than I do. I didn't like Inside <laughs> very much. Uh, that one did not did not click with me. So maybe maybe whatever was present in like Inside is is what's not present for me in this one, or or vice versa, or whatever. But uh, oh well, oh well. I mean, I think eventually between the two of us, we're going to play every single one of these type of games, and we can eventually just kind of tally them all up and. <laughs> maybe we'll post a spreadsheet online somewhere so listeners of the show can see where we fall on them all <laughs> anyway um i think i may go for the dlc uh we'll see if i do i'll bring it up on the show but uh probably not till after the new year i got so much to play right now as it is i can't squeeze anything else in so and anyway speaking of stuff to play you are about to discuss a game that i am like super duper interested in it's one of those games that I've been eyeing for a long time and uh, but I know I just know in my heart of hearts that it's going to end up being one of those games that's like way too hard for me and I'm just going to like rage quit like an hour after I started and never go back to it. So let's talk about Ruiner, Brad. Let's talk about Ruiner and let me tell you right now, I do not want you to buy this game. Don't buy this game. <laughs> Don't play it. Don't play it. So Ruiner is I'm just up front. No, no mystery. Don't. This is not for you, Corey. All right. All right. Uh, I'm glad my instincts were correct then. Yeah, you were correct. Uh, This is developed by Raycon Games. I think they're out of Poland. I'm pretty sure this is their first game, I believe, published by everyone's favorite Devolver Digital came out on September 26th for PC, PS4, Xbox One. I got a review code, full disclosure. And I am reviewing this game, and I'm pretty sure my review is not up yet, and I probably should know that since I'm the fucking editor. <laughs> but it's it's late, and I'm tired, and I'm pretty sure my review is not up yet. Anyway, <laughs> to give you some background, you play as a character who has a weird mask on. It's like a mask, and it's covered in, like, LCD lights, so it's able to, like, flash different words and pictures on top of his face. Like, he can't talk because the mask is sealing his whole head. But it'll it'll say different things. It'll say like kill, kill, or we weren't friends, or 
you know, pictures and, you know, emojis and stuff like So it's an interesting little thing. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the mask that that guy had that was in Watch Dogs 2. Did you play Watch Dogs 2? I did play Watch Dogs 2. Yeah, you know the guy I'm talking about. The guy that had that mask that had, like, the flashing on his face. What yeah, the guy's his name, name is Wrench. Yeah, okay, so that guy. Th- this character in Ruiner is just like that guy times 10. Like, his whole head is like that. So it's <laughs> it's an interesting look. I think it's a pretty cool look. Um, very curious. Like, it's, it's attention-getting. So you play in a top-down way. It's very reminiscent of Hotline Miami, in fact. Like, the way that you play this game reminds me a lot of Hotline Miami. So if you imagine Hotline Miami, but with like fully 3D graphics, uh, you know, more color, more, you know, more usage of the control pad and stuff. It's, it kind of feels like an upgraded Hotline Miami. Um, although, to be fair, I don't think I like it as much as like Hotline Miami. So you start off with this guy at the beginning of the game. You your brain has been hacked because you were living in this really techno noir, nihilistic, dirty, gross William Gibson nightmare future where technology is just out of control and people are just like meat to be fed into computers and (laughs) just, you know, this is one of those things. I mean, anybody who's played games has, I'm sure come across this motif at some point or another. Uh, So it's, it's like one of those gross futures where life means nothing and, you know, more data is all that matters and et cetera, et cetera. So your brain has been hacked by somebody and it just keeps saying, kill the boss, kill the boss, kill the boss. It flashes on your face. It flashes on the screen. It's really weird. It almost feels like you're in like a club and like there's strobe lights going off and it's just really kind of like a little bit overpowering. So you start playing the game and it very quickly becomes like, you know, like a like a twin stick shooter. Move with the left stick, aim with the right stick. Although I will say um, you have the option to always go either gun or melee. You always have a gun and you always have a weapon. You can pick up others, but when those others run out of ammo or if they break, you just go back to having your base weapon. So you're never you're never weaponless. Uh, and I found that the melee worked a lot better in this game than the guns did. I felt like the guns were really loosey-goosey and really hard to aim with because the game moves really fast, like super fast. So I found myself relying on melee a lot more than um, guns because with the melee weapon, you could swing them in an arc. You only had to get like vaguely close and you would hit somebody as opposed to the guns, which you had to have pinpoint accuracy and everybody's moving around really, really quick and you're moving quick and things are happening fast and there's red flashing lights on the screen (laughs) and it's a little bit difficult. So, I mean, that's kind of what the game is. It's pretty stylish. I give it really a lot of points for style. I like the aesthetic to it. I think they really um, had a lot of cool images, like a lot of cool characters. Um, Everybody's like a partial cyborg one way or another. And... In addition to the top-down Hotline Miami levels, there's like a really small like hub world you can walk around in. It's talked to a few people. It seems like it's going to be kind of like um, more than it ends up being because it's really just set dressing. But it's a nice little change of pace from the levels because the levels get really repetitive really quickly. Um, I hate to say it because the game starts so strong, but once you get past the intro... And once you stop being so impressed with like the style and the, the visual design you really kind of realize there's not a lot of gameplay here. You end up, <laughs> you end up like going into a room, you know, six or eight guys will bum rush you. You fight them off and then you move on to the next room. And every level looks like industrial hallways and it's, it's easy to get lost and turn around. And most of the guys look like the other guys and there's not a lot of variation in them. Even the bosses get repeated a bunch of times. And it just, it feels like you're just doing the same level, like the same fight over and over and over and over. So 
it has a really strong intro and I like I was really into it like for the first like hour and then once I realized like it wasn't evolving in terms of combat and it wasn't getting more interesting uh like these quote-unquote side quests were really nothing but just like little quick ways to get exp there was no like way to alter the story or it just it just wasn't deep enough like there wasn't enough there like they had a great art team but the game design team really didn't go anywhere near as as far as they should um there's a lot of abilities you can equip different shields you can have different effects like there's uh you can choose one effect to like give yourself life back at the expense of this battery pack that you carry with you or you can use the battery to use it as a stun grenade or you can use the battery as a shield or you can use it to call a drone i mean there's all sorts of stuff you can do and you can kind of sort of mix and match how you want to play but the game is pretty hard and i felt like once i had something that worked i didn't want to change up too much so i kind of stuck with the same thing for like 90 percent of the game had to change my tactics a little bit at the very very end but it just really felt like I was playing the same fight in the same room over and over and over and over. And it just didn't really go anywhere for me. So kind of a bummer. And, um, yeah, I got to say, I, I can't really recommend it. Um, I have another kind of point to make, but I want to give you a chance to, uh, to jump in. Have I talked you out of this game, Corey? Cause I hope I have. Well, I mean, I wasn't planning on buying it immediately. This is totally the kind of game that I already know in six months is going to go on like a $5 sale on PSN and I'll probably spring for it then. So I'm not, and I mean, I think it's only like 20 bucks as it stands. It's not like it's an expensive game. It's not like a $60 game. So, uh, you know, maybe for some people like $20 is enough to kind of like get that style with not as much substance and kind of play the same uh, same s- seemingly similar levels over and over again, um, you know, because the price for entry is not super high. But um, I mean, I think down the road, I will still buy this because I'm interested in it, but definitely for no more than like five bucks or something like that. Yeah, I mean, five bucks would be a good price. I, I mean, honestly, like I hate to say it because I'm sure that I mean, these guys were nice. I met them at PAX. They were great guys. Um, they're very friendly, talked me through the game demo. I mean, it was, it was a real positive experience, which is why I was so eager to review this. Um, but it demos a lot better than it plays. And I got to say 20 bucks feels like too much for what the game actually is. I kind of would, I would personally slot it more of like a five or a 10. So I think you're probably on the right track with that. Um, I have to say also, this is the first game in quite some time, kind of just diverge a little bit here. This is the first game in quite some time that I had to actually like force myself to finish because I didn't want to play this game anymore at about the halfway point. And it's not a very long game. I think I finished it in like six hours. So it's not long by any stretch of the imagination compared to other games, but it kind of says something about the quality where I played, you know, two, three hours of it. And I'm like, okay, I want to tap out. But I, people were telling me that it was very short and I really wanted to give it a fair shake. Plus I really liked the style and I kind of wanted to see where the story was going. So I kind of, I didn't want to, I didn't want to just bail on it, but to give some, some context for this, I, I, I don't know if people know this or not, but at game critics, we don't make people finish games before we review them. We, we kind of got some flack for it back in the day and we still get some people who were like, Rrr you shouldn't review a game unless you finished everything. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to happen. I mean, I say this, I feel like I say this every show, but like life 
is not infinite. We will all die at some point. Like you only have so many <laughs> hours in your lifespan. And I feel like life is too precious to waste it on something that you're not enjoying. I mean, not like you need to lead, lead a life of hedonism, but there's like a billion fucking games along with a whole world out there. And it doesn't make any sense to force yourself to play something that you're not enjoying. I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's crazy to me. Like when I was younger and you know, I was still a kid coming up and life felt like it was going to go on forever and I was invincible. Like that was different. And maybe I would have and have, you know, finished most of the things I played back then because that was just where my head was at. But now that I'm older, more experienced, uh, I just, I just don't see the value in playing something that you're not enjoying. So as the editor, I don't make anybody finish a game that they don't want to finish at Game Critics. I just ask that they play enough to be able to speak intelligently about it. And if they don't finish it, we ask that they disclose that. So we have full information uh, at the end of every review. People who read these reviews, I mean, if, if you don't want to read the opinion of somebody who has not finished a game, then we tell you that up front and you are free to, you know, take our reviews with a grain of salt or just skip reading them if it's that important to you or whatever. But we tell you where we're coming from. So we're very upfront about that. But I'm not going to make anybody sit through a game they don't want to finish. And so we're, we're flexible on that. And I really, really, really wanted to tap out halfway. Um, but I did finish it. And I have to say, I just, I hated it. I, the longer the game went on, <laughs> oh, no. the longer the game went on, the less I liked it. And the angrier I was at myself for forcing myself to finish it. And I, it just really reinforced to me what a valid choice it was to not force myself to play games that I don't like. And I, I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, I'm just not like, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if they say, Oh, well, the end makes the, the, you know, has a big payoff or makes it worth it or whatever. Games should be fun. You should be, and I don't mean fun as in, I should be like, every single thing should be handed to me on a plate. I should be having a great time. I mean, I think games can be challenging. They can be interesting. They can be scary. They can make me ask questions about myself. I mean, I think there's a wide, array of feelings and sensations that I think are that qualify as worthwhile. Like I don't need to be grinning the entire time I'm playing the game, but there <laughs> needs to be something interesting, right? Like you got to have some kind of interest going. If you're just doing the same fucking battle over and over and over, or the game is not giving you any new ideas, that is not something that's worth spending your actual life span on. Like you are throwing the hours of your life away on something that you're not enjoying, which is crazy. So I was really mad at myself for finishing this game. I really, I kind of <laughs> wish I had gotten those three hours back and done something more worthwhile. Um, but it just really, really reinforced to me how correct it feels to not force people to finish games before they review. So, Corey, um, what do you think about that, man? Uh, I mean, I am glad that you, that you slash Game Critics as a whole does not um, force people to finish games because... I am guilty as charged of having reviewed games that I have not finished. And most of the time it's because, I mean, f for people listening who don't understand or don't, maybe we can peel back the curtain a little bit on some game review stuff. Um, like from my perspective, and I'm not the editor at Game Critics, I'm just a writer. Um, you know, every couple days or so, an email will pop up in my inbox and it'll be like, Here's a list of review games that we have. You know, if you're interested, speak up and, you know, maybe you can have it if somebody else hasn't claimed it. Well, sometimes, um, 
every time I get one of those emails, um, you know, I look through the list. If the game is on, I, I'm not a PC gamer. So if a, a game is on a console on Xbox one or PS4, I will usually, uh, you know, throw the title in Google. I'll kind of see what the game is. And if it's something that I think I can handle or might be interested in, then I will try to, I will ask for the review code or I'll see if I can get it. But if it's like something that's totally out of my element, like if it's a, fighting game or if it's a jrpg or if it's something that is a game genre that i don't have much experience with and would not feel valuable um uh, reviewing it or just wouldn't feel like i could finish it in the first place then i usually don't you know i wouldn't want to review that kind of game but sometimes that backfires on me because um about a year ago i took a game called not a hero is that what it's called brad Yes, yes, not a hero. Um, I took, uh, I looked, you know, Brad sent out review codes. I looked up this game called Not a Hero, uh, which we had our code for, and it looked like it was another Devolver game um, developed by somebody else. And it, it's like a, you know, kind of fast-paced, side-scrolling shooter melee game, and it's very silly. It's kind of got a pixel art style. And I watched, like, a trailer for it, and I was like, oh, that looks fun. Like, I'll take this game. Little did I know that the game's fucking hard. And sometimes... Gay, and I'll be the first to admit this because I, I mean, I don't like really hard games. Games are just too hard to finish. Like I could not finish that game because it was too hard. And the longer I tried to play this hard game, the more frustrated I was going to get, which probably would have resulted in a lower score. Um, if I, because you know, there's a certain point where you put in so much effort, and if you, um, if you overcome an obstacle in the game, then maybe the payoff is uh, to an extent where you feel good about what you've done. But if you keep, you know, punching the brick wall and you're not getting anywhere, eventually, even if you do clear that obstacle, you're just going to be fucking pissed because you spent so much time trying to clear that thing. And I wasn't about to let myself get there. So I just stopped playing the game and I wrote the review and I didn't, uh, I mean, I gave the game a pretty low score. I think I gave it like a, four or five or something somewhere like very middle of the road score um and uh but yeah i mean sometimes games are just too hard or they're too boring or they're too repetitive or it's pretty obvious you know if you play uh half a game that it's not really gonna like change up its mechanics or go anywhere or do anything like more interesting and if it hasn't done anything more interesting up until that point then it's not always necessary to finish playing it to review it. So, I mean, I stand by that. And like you said, we have the disclaimer at the bottom. The bottom of every review we write, uh, if the player finished the game, how many hours they spent playing the game, um, if they finished the game more than once, because sometimes that happens. I've played, like for Dishonored that I'm playing right now, Death of the Outsider, I've actually played it like two and a half times before I write the review. So I'm going to um, disclose that in the review. So that's sort of like above and beyond maybe um but uh yeah i'm totally totally behind the not having to finish the game to review it and i understand why some people might be mad about that but if you're mad about that a go read any other game sites review and b if those game sites aren't disclosing the information like we are i can bet your ass that not all of their reviewers finish the games either and they're just not telling you yeah, that's very that's very true. <laughs> we get a lot of flack because we are very honest about it, and so people want to want to bag on us for that. 
But you're absolutely correct. I know for a fact that like most review sites do not put down how much time they spent with the game or if they finish it or not, because they're not spending that much time and they're not finishing it. And that's fine. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not trying to dunk on them for 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 doing that. But be honest about it. Just be honest. Like tell people up front, hey, this game is like 150 hours. And I only played 30 hours of it. Like just tell people so they know. But see, we're embarrassed to do that in general because we, you know, have a, you know, sometimes people can be really toxic on the internet. We can uh, get find ourselves in the middle of a hate storm really quickly, you know, before you blink and all of a sudden you got just like shit clogging your inbox. I mean, I get why people are scared of it. And in fact, I mean, it was a little bit of a, an ordeal for us at first when we started doing that. But I feel like ultimately it really kind of freed us because we're very upfront with people. And if you don't like the way we operate, that's totally fine. We respect that. And you have the choice of the entire rest of the Internet to do whatever you want to do. But we are going to live our lives and not suffer and not like in you know, a toil and and kill ourselves over a fucking game. I mean, like games are supposed to be interesting and fun and enjoyable. That's really why we're doing this. And if it's not those things, we shouldn't do it. Um, I, I think I may have said this before in the show, but one thing that I say all the time is that a game should end when it runs out of ideas. So whenever I play a game, if it gives me ideas like and, and, and by that, I mean, the story continues to be interesting. There are new mechanics. I love the characters. Uh, new twists to the gameplay. I mean, any of those things, if those things keep happening, I will play a game for as long as it takes to finish. I mean, like, you know, like Witcher. Witcher took me like 150 hours to finish. I love that game. That game was amazing. Like so many great stories, so much good things in that game. Or like Monster Hunter, where I've, I've you know, I've spent like 350 hours on, you know, on a single game because it kept introducing new monsters, new mechanics, like new twists. If a game has something to say, I'm in. Like, I'm down. It doesn't matter to me how long it takes. But if you fucking run out of ideas and you expect me just to grind the same thing over and over, or you just don't really have anywhere to go, end your fucking game. Just end it <laughs> and just be done. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. And so whenever you see me write a review about a game that I did not finish, you can basically be guaranteed that game ran out of ideas before I got to the end. So anyway... Uh, that's kind of where I fell on Ruiner. I do not recommend it, although I really like the style. If you find it for sale, Corey, I think you had the right idea. Five or ten bucks, that's a, that's a good deal. Anything more than that, mm, I really can't really can't recommend it. And my full review will be up at uh, Game Critics uh, before too long, before too long, pretty soon, next couple days or something like that. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, let's move on, Corey. We still got a few things to get through here. Um, why don't you start us off on the Red Dead Redemption 2 trailer? We're going to be discussing that. Uh, what is your experience with this series and what did you think of the trailer? I'm sure a million people are very, very excited for this game. It's going to be a huge game. I mean, it's a rockstar game. Everybody, I think, kind of knows what to expect. It's going to be big, big, big. Everybody in the Brothers going to be playing it. <laughs> Where do you fall on the RDR spectrum, sir? Uh, I, I don't like Red Dead Redemption at all. I played it, I can't remember when I played it, but it was like a couple years after it came out maybe. And it was one of the, I mean, it was one of those games where like, I felt obligated to play it because everybody I knew, it was like everybody's favorite game ever. And it was, everybody loved it. And everybody spent a hundred hours playing it. And it was the best game anybody had ever played. So I was like, okay, I'll give this game the benefit of the doubt and I'll play it. I'm pretty sure I played this after I graduated college. Like, I'm pretty sure I, like, specifically waited to graduate college so I could play it and have, like, a lot of free time over the summer and, like, really dive in on it. And I came out 
on the other side of that game and I finished it uh, just not liking it. And it's not so much about Red Dead Redemption as it is about Rockstar Games. Like, I don't like Rockstar Games. I don't... Um, I, I There was a point in my life where I did when I was, like, 16 and they were doing new, interesting things with their games. But at a certain point, uh, Rockstar Games just keeps making the same game over and over and over again and not really like doing much innovation or really like adding anything interesting um and and that's just kind of like it was around i mean honestly it was around like san andreas uh which probably came out in like the mid 2000s that i pretty much fell off of the rockstar bandwagon like i didn't I only played San Andreas for a few hours. I only played Grand Theft Auto 4 for like three or four hours. I only played Grand Theft Auto 5 for like two hours. Um, I'm just not into their um, their game format, their open world game format. It's not interesting to me and it feels really stale and it feels really old. And that is a lot of people's comfort zone and I get why people like that. Um, but uh, whenever I played Red Dead, I ba- it basically felt the same. It's, you know, the same cookie-cutter open world where you ride your horse to one side of the map, you watch a cutscene where somebody talks at you for three minutes, then you ride your horse to the other side of the map, <laughs> you kill someone, and then you ride your horse back to the first side of the map, and then someone talks at you for a minute. And it's basically do that over and over and over again, and that's how Rockstar has been putting out games since Grand Theft Auto 3, which came out in 2001. So it's like 16 years of this like copied and pasted bullshit in games, and I'm just over it. Like I, 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 I just don't like it. I'm not interested in Red Dead Redemption 2. I watched the trailer... Because I know no matter how beautiful it is and no matter how good their game engine is and how how the, how their skybox looks and how their day rotations go, I know it's just going to be more of the same bullshit. It's going to be riding your stupid horse, looking at a horse's ass for half the game while you ride it across the map and these boring pastures to listen to some stupid character talk to you for three minutes just so you can go kill somebody and then repeat it 50 times and the game's going to be over, so... That's my thoughts and feelings about Reddit Redemption. What are yours, Brad? <laughs> um, pretty similar. Pretty similar. <laughs> um, I liked Rockstar when they first came out, and they, it seemed like every game they were putting out was pretty experimental. For a while, they were trying a whole bunch of different things. I mean, that was the period when they came out with like um was the game where you killed everybody like i know that's every rockstar game but the one where you're like uh murdering people it's talking about manhunt manhunt yes oh, thank you i, I knew you manhunt. knew it yeah yeah manhunt was was that and they had i mean they had a string of games uh red dead revolver uh was the first game of this series that i played that i really thought was pretty cool uh i don't know i like a lot of people don't even know red dead revolver exists like people haven't even heard of that <laughs> Uh, but that's really where this series started. Um, so I liked I liked Rockstar back then, and I did actually like San Andreas. I wasn't tired of the formula by that time, and I was really impressed by the characters and the, the, the size of the open world and the things they were trying. So that was still pretty impressive to me at that time. But after San Andreas, I totally burned out on Rockstar. Like, I was done. And like you said, I feel like they really have settled into a template, and it's like 
it's almost like lowest common denominator gaming now, like where like everybody plays GTA and GTA five. It's just been like this perennial moneymaker for them because everybody just like gets around and fucks around online and, you know, does all sorts of crazy shit. So it's not really my bag. I haven't enjoyed a rockstar game since, uh, since San Andreas. I did play red dead redemption and I like Westerns. Like, I like Western games. I kind of wish we got more. Like, I don't want it, there to be a flood of them, but I feel like we barely get any. And the ones that we do get are generally not good. So I did like Red Dead Redemption at first. Uh, but once I got about to Mexico, I kind of fell off. And I know a lot of people really fell off at that same point. But I think that my my reasoning for falling off was I just couldn't get into the story. Like, I felt like the story was interrupting my enjoyment of the game which is odd and people who listen to the show or who read me at game critics may think that's odd for me to say but i think that redemption was probably one of the very few games where i really felt like i didn't want one overarching story i wanted just to be able to wander around and do things on my own and just to kind of be in the world i think would have been pretty cool but because there was a main story i felt compelled to follow that and it was important to me because i am a story guy and it just drove me crazy how you know, John, John Marston, I think is what his name was, uh, just was on this mission. His family was being held hostage and he had to do these things for these people. And like every single Yahoo on the prairie had a bunch of jobs for him. And he would always say, well, I got, I got things to do. I'm in a hurry. No, do this, do these, these five errands for me. Well, okay. And he would just do them. And it's like, man, what the fuck? Like shoot this guy and just (laughs) move on. Like it, the story, really really detracted from my enjoyment of the game because it was so dissonant from what you're doing like his his motivation did not match up with the open world fuck around that is so inherent to gta style games like this so i fell off of it and never came back and i didn't finish it and i don't care who says what like it's the greatest game ever blah 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 i just i really couldn't i couldn't get my head into it so i'm not super excited for redemption 2 I, I mean, I'll try it because just I'm generally interested in Western games, and so that might be okay, but um, I'm not a huge Rockstar fan. I wasn't a big fan of the previous one. I'm kind of burned out on open world games right now, so whatevs. Um, not super <laughs> not super stoked. And this trailer, man, I don't know about you, but I was like, why bother? Like, it was, it didn't show any gameplay, or at least I assume it's not gameplay, or maybe they're using the in-game engine, but it was all just cutscene shit and i was like who cares i don't know these characters are i don't know what's going on this means nothing to me this is not impressive to me were you at all impressed by the trailer uh no i really wasn't i mean it's just like i mean it's like exactly what you think it would be it's just like a bunch of cowboys and like there's like a sequence where they're like running on a train and they're like riding horses and there's like one like token black guy who shows up for like two seconds of the trailer. And there's like a token woman who shows up for about three seconds of the trailer. And of course they have her like, it, she it like alludes to her like stabbing someone in the hand in the trailer, because that's how Rockstar thinks you make strong female characters is by making them violent. So like, it's just like going to be the same Rockstar bullshit over and over again, where it's just like, a bunch of white dudes that aren't very well written and like, like no, like, you know, um, uh, diversity in the characters or anything like that. And 
yeah, I wasn't really impressed by the trailer. I mean, of course, like it doesn't matter what Rockstar does because this game is going to sell like a hundred bajillion copies. Um, Because even at this point, uh, Grand Theft Auto Five is still in like the top five selling games every month. Like, like it's It's absurd. Yeah, like still. And I mean, and Grand Theft Auto Five is like several years old at this point, and it's still every month in the NPD charts. It's like in the top five every month, and it's totally absurd. So it's, I mean, it's not like Rockstar has anything to worry about. Like they could put out like, I don't know, a game that's just like a title screen and isn't an actual game and it would sell like a hundred billion copies. So, I mean, but yeah, I'm just not, I'm not interested in this at all. I will not play it unless it comes out and it is not like an open world fuck around game where you listen to people talk at you and cut scenes and then go shoot someone for them, which I know it's going to be that that's basically the only way I would play this is if like, it turns out to be like something different, but it's not going to be something different. It's going to be the same fucking game I've been playing since 2001 because rockstar doesn't innovate their games at all. Yeah, basically. I mean, when I saw the trailer, I was like, who I assume is the, the lead. I mean, of course it could be a different lead when, when the game actually hits, but it was like the most generic looking like white dude. And I was like, Ugh, boring. Like, God, man, like <laughs> take some risks. Why don't you, you know, but I, I mean, I, I'm open to the fact, like you said, maybe they will surprise us. Maybe they will. I don't know, but I don't think they will because they don't seem to be like risk takers right now. They seem to know what their formula is. They're rich as fuck. Like you said, their game <laughs> keeps selling over and over and over and over. You think that thing would have gone away, but people, keep buying it i don't know who the fuck is playing this because i mean nobody i know plays it but clearly they're making money hand over fist on this thing they know what their market is and they're hitting their market so really that's all that matters to them and you know whatever but uh yeah i don't know the trailer 100 not impressive to me did not get me excited about this game in any way and it seems like it's going to be just more of the same rockstar shit so i mean if they're if it's not great and i'm open to that but i'm not expecting anything same all right well i think we have covered the red dead redemption 2 trailer pretty thoroughly and <laughs> utterly deflated i mean i hope people listening weren't excited weren't hoping for us to be excited about that because i don't <laughs> i don't think we delivered on that front but we were honest and that's that's where we fall on that so uh we got one section left don't we Corey? one more one more segment in the show yeah you ready to round this out with a little bit of q and a brad I am ready. They got Q's. We got A's. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Well, we took to Twitter or Brad took to Twitter because I never do this and asked uh, people if they had any questions for us. And we got a few questions about uh, some gaming related stuff as usual. And our first question comes to us from Chris Seabor. And I only know how to pronounce his name because Brad asked how to pronounce his last name because it is spelled C-Z-I-B-O-R-R, but it is pronounced Seabor, according to him. And he asks, uh, are exceptional quality AAA role-playing games a thing of the past? Mass Effect 3 was the last solid AAA RPG game from BioWare. Fallout 4 was something of a disappointment, and The Witcher 3 was two years ago. What do you think, Brad? Uh, Yes. So if I understand (laughs) Chris's question correctly, 
are AAA role-playing games a thing of the past or exceptional quality? Yeah, I think they are uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, I think that, number one, to make an exceptional kind of AAA role-playing game... I mean, I mean, number one, like, what is that? Like, I think that when you talk <laughs> about the AAA space, you like, like, who are you marketing to? I think that we had a few examples, like the ones that he named, but it's been a while since someone has really delivered on that. I mean, look at the most recent Mass Effect. That thing crashed and burned so hard. I mean, granted, that was not good quality. Uh, that was not a good quality game. That was not Bioware at the top of their game by any means. Um, but, I mean, how much money went into that? How much of a risk was that? I think that um, it's tricky because you have to have interesting mechanics. I think most people expect uh, RPGs to be of a significant length. I think you have to have great characters. I mean, if you don't have characters, your RPG is sunk unless you're doing like an MMO or something like that, or something like um, Diablo, which I don't think is what, I don't think that's what Chris is referring to here. I think he's talking about more narrative um, RPGs. It's risky. It's really risky because it takes a lot to develop, a lot to write. Uh, I mean, you got to have a lot of content. It's got to look great if you're in the AAA space. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not a game developer. I have not made a game. I do not, you know, work with game budgets or anything. I can only talk about what I've heard and seen. And from what I've heard and seen, it seems like that's probably one of the riskiest things that a AAA developer can take on. Uh, I, I do not think we're going to see anything in the AAA space for quite some time, especially after the big flame out of Mass Effect 3. Uh, whether that was justified or not, yes, it was justified. But uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to see anything like that for a while. I think they're going to stick with stuff that is proven, like you know, more first-person shooters, more action games, or you know, things that are they're easier and quicker to develop relatively. I mean, I'm not saying game development is easy, but I think it's a lot easier to do something like, uh, you know, I don't know, like Gears or something than it is to do something like The Witcher 3, um, which took like the entire country of Poland six years to make or whatever. So I think that we cannot look forward to those things, but thankfully we do have quite a few really good quality, like, you know, like, I mean, double, double A developers, I guess, or, you know, like B tier games. I think um, The Witcher folks would have been seen as like a second tier uh, developer until The Witcher 3 and that kind of catapulted them up but I think they're really good at what they do and I think their roots are not really in AAA although they're operating that space now I think there's uh, like Larian there's uh, all the people that are doing uh, what's the one that Divinity is Larian the one that makes Divinity now? who makes that? Larian? I no? don't know anyway there's a lot of people in Europe that are doing um, good RPGs and they're kind of like in the, the B tier quality. But, but to me, that's a great thing. Like, I totally don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that like, like it's fine because I see those people taking risks. They're okay making um, games that don't fit everybody. They usually have a team that has a pretty good vision. So those are fine. Like, I, I think those are great. I love them very much. I don't mean that to be dismissive in any way. Um, I think you should look to the B tier for your RPGs, uh, the type of RPG I think you're talking about. And I do not think we're going to see anything from the AAA space of any significance for quite some time. Corey, what do you think? Uh, I was basically just going, whenever I was thinking about this question, I was sort of uh, going to echo what you had said about the fact that making AAA RPGs just takes forever. I mean, like, you know, making a game that can be 100 to 150 hours or so, you know, and writing all the characters and writing all the quests and animating like the big open world and developing it. I mean, that just takes a really long time. I mean, the next thing that I can think of that's going to be of significant, of significant value is probably going to be, um, cyberpunk, which, uh, CD project red, the Witcher developers is making. But I mean, 
like they've been very upfront about the fact that this game is definitely in development, but they haven't shared like anything about the game and probably because it's going to take them like, I mean, I would bet that if they haven't said anything about the game yet, it's probably not going to be out for like two or three more years, maybe. I mean, unless they have some like E3 unveiling next year and the game's like going to launch next Christmas or something, but I just don't see that being realistic. Um, but that's probably the next big AAA-ish um, RPG that I know of to look forward to. And I'm not really in an RPG space, although, um, I mean, Mass Effect 3 and Fallout 4 are definitely games or, you know, the series that I like. But when I think of an RPG, I think of something a little more traditional because I tend to think of Mass Effect and Fallout 4 as this is going to be splitting hairs uh, like crazy. But I tend to think of them as like, action games with RPG elements rather than like full on RPGs. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's totally splitting hairs, but I mean, I guess maybe we have cyberpunk to look forward to, even though it probably won't be out for a few years. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think about that game probably like twice a day where I'm just like, Oh man, this is going to be so good. Like I, <laughs> I love the Witcher so much and knowing that those guys are in charge of it makes me so happy because I mean, Witcher was just like amazing. And if they do that same kind of thing with, cyberpunk i mean dude that's that that's gonna be incredible that's gonna be fucking incredible so <laughs> i hope they take all the time they need i definitely am looking forward to that i agree with you i think that's gonna be the next like really big rpg uh that we should be thinking about and yeah i don't think it's gonna happen in AAA anytime soon so chris i hope that we answered your question uh let's go to the next question uh this one comes from cheap boss attack good guy on twitter and he says which 2017 releases do you think will end up on your list of games you wish you had gotten around to? So apparently, what do you think is going to end up on uh, your list that you're not going to get to this year? Corey, do you want to start us off real quick? Uh, I do. And right now, I'm sorry to say this, but I can only think of like one game at the moment. Because um, I didn't, I was thinking about this game or this uh, this question, but I didn't, this is totally my fault. I didn't like look up an official sort of like what's coming out for the rest of the year list or anything like that or like looking back on stuff from the beginning of the year that I hadn't played so really there's only like one game that I thought for sure about and um it is actually Tacoma that came out on the Xbox One pretty recently and this is a walking simulator from the dudes that made gone home which is like i i didn't which gone home is sort of like what people like turn to as like oh like this is the perfect walking simulator but to be perfectly honest i didn't really like gone home very much but i'm actually really interested to play um to play tacoma but it's just one of those games that i always just forget about like like i know it's there and i know i'm interested in it but it's not, uh, as far as I know, it's not on physical, uh, like on a physical disc. So I can't get it from Gamefly. And like I said earlier in the show, I'm kind of, I've been pretty broke recently. So I don't really like want to buy that game, um, like outright. But it's definitely the one that I'm like the most interested in that I don't, th that I'm like just worried that like game of the year stuff's going to start coming around like at the end of the year. And that's going to be the one game that I'm like, oh man, I really should have played that. But they were like, three other games I needed to spend my money on first that I was more interested in playing and I'm just worried it's going to pass me by and it's going to be like halfway through next year before I play it. 
Oh man, that is that is a killer because I played Tacoma. You know that, right? I, I told you I played Tacoma. You did, and we have not discussed it yet because I haven't. Oh my god, it yet. I really want to talk about that with you, and I can't say <laughs> anything because it's going to be super spoilery. I did not care for. I know we had this conversation already. I apologize to your listeners, but we're going to recap it real quick. I I did not care for um, Gone Home either. I liked the message. I like I liked what they were going for. Like I'm in support of that, but I think like how the game actually came out, I was not a fan of. Um. So yeah, but this I liked it way more than Gone Home. <clears throat> Excuse me, I I like this game a lot. It is on my top ten for the year. I'll just spoil that right now. Ooh. It's it's one of the ones that I really uh, enjoyed the most, um, for several reasons which I cannot share here. <laughs> um, but man, I know that um, money is a concern and time is a concern. But if you if you have it in you, if it if it comes up as an opportunity. Definitely check that one out. I would love to talk about that uh, with you uh, before the end of the year. It sucks that it's only on Xbox One right now, though. I was really disappointed to see that um, because I would have much rather played it on a PS4. And I feel like a lot of the people who would really be into this game are not going to get a chance to play it because a lot of people do not have Xbox Ones, nor should they. So uh, I, w- I don't understand why it's only on PC and Xbox One. I wish <laughs> they would bring it to PS4. Maybe but you got to play that. That is, It's good. It's real good. I really like that a lot. I will do my best to get around to it, but I just it's just that one game that's on the back burner that I keep thinking, man, the, the year's going to go by and I'm not going to make it to this game. Yeah, yeah, that ugh. oh man, that's a tough one cuz that's that's a good one. <laughs> um I have a couple oddballs to throw out. Well, maybe not so much oddballs. I keep a little list of stuff that I want to play for game of the year and luckily I've gotten to most of them, not all of them, but most of them. So I've I've don't have a whole lot that I haven't gotten around to, but I think the biggest one that I'm probably not going to get around to is night in the woods. Have you played night in the woods? Oh, I haven't, but I mean, here we go. That's another one that I'm actually interested in, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't played it either. And it, that's kind of right there with Tacoma. People are saying good things about it. Uh, it came out like a few months ago and every once in a while I think about it and I'm just not sure if I'm going to get to it. Yeah. I mean, I saw it and I, it's like I I'm 50 50 on it. Like, I think if the story is good enough, it would be great. But when that game came out, I had played a couple other games that were kind of similar to like like the really talky talky, like, uh, I don't know, emo angst genre. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I can't do another one of these where like people talking is the only thing. Like, it, I mean, especially if I don't like the writing. Right. So like I held off. And as far as I know, this game has never been on sale. I want to get it on PS4. I mean, I'd buy it on Xbox one, too. But as I have not seen it go on sale and I'm not convinced that, uh, it's like what, 20 bucks or 30 bucks or something like that. 20 bucks. I'm not sure. Well, whatever, whatever it is, it hasn't <laughs> gone on sale. So I, people keep talking about it, but I, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm not hearing the right kind of buzz. It's a contender, but I'm not convinced. Um, so that one I'm really, I'm hoping I'll get to, but probably won't get to. Um, I also, same same kind of thing again undertale like i am 50 50 on that i bet i probably wouldn't like it but i'm curious enough and i've heard so fucking much about it like i feel like i need to play it because i mean there was like a solid three months where that was like the only game people were talking about and jesus fucking christ i didn't want to hear about it one more time (laughs) but i feel like i need to check it out but i'm pretty sure i'm not going to like it so i don't want to just pay full price i'm waiting for that to go on sale also um, another small one that maybe people are not thinking about. Did you ever play box boy on three DS? Uh, I did not. Have you heard of it? Uh, didn't you, did you talk about this on the show before? 
I think I might have talked about it once. So maybe you heard about it from me. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I have not heard about it from anybody. So Box Boy is a puzzle platformer that came out on 3DS a while ago. Um, it had gotten some quiet buzz from people that I respect. It didn't get a lot of uh, attention at the time, uh, but people kind of hit me to it. I went and checked it out. I thought it was like amazing, wonderful, wonderful game. I loved Box Boy so much. Excuse me, my throat's getting kind of dry. I'm going to lose my voice here in a second. <laughs> um, so th- I thought Box Boy was fantastic. Um, ne- very nearly a perfect game, and I don't say that very often. Um, it was really, really good. Uh, they've had another sequel. I think it was called Box Box Boy. And now they have a third one called Bye Bye Box Boy. I would like to check that one out. If it's the same quality as the first one, I will be in heaven. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to get to it yet. But I've, I've seen some people say that was a contender. Not as a number one, of course, but, you know, worthy enough to be in a top ten. And the other one, this one is totally out of the blue. And this one is really, really super random. But I had a person who I really trust uh, tell me that I should check this one out. Unfortunately, it's only on PC as far as I know. <coughs> Excuse me. And I don't often play PC. Like, it has to be an extremely special game to get me to fire up my PC because my PC is in a place where I don't like to be when I'm playing games. I don't like to play games on the PC because I'm not comfortable with mouse and keyboard, uh, et cetera, et cetera. A million reasons why I don't play on PC. But it's called, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Rakuen, R A K U E N. Uh, someone threw this out to me and it's a person who I would be pretty inclined to listen to. I checked it out on steam. It does seem like something that I would like to check out. It's kind of like, if I remember correctly, it's like an RPG where you like, there's a boy who's like sick in bed in the hospital. And then you also play an RPG, but you're not the boy. He's just in the hospital, but you're kind of, maybe you're him, maybe you're not. And like the, the two worlds are kind of like overlapping a little bit. Um, seems like it was made by a very small indie team, but I've heard that the writing is really excellent and that um, it's really, really worth playing. I I can't say that for sure. Haven't gotten to it, and I'm 99% sure I'm not going to get to it before the end of the year. But heads up to anybody who is looking for an unappreciated gem. This could be one. I can't vouch for it, but I got it on good authority that it's one to check into. So Rakuen, R-A-K-U-E-N. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that, but... Those are the ones that I think I will wish I had played and probably will not. Um, Cheap Boss Attack had a follow-up question, which I will read right now. And he says, which 2017 games do you wish more people paid attention to? I'm sure tons has flown under many a radar. Corey, what do you wish people paid attention to in 2017? All right, I actually have a good handful of answers for this because um, one of the blessings, and I, I've said this probably 10 times before on the show about writing for game critics is whenever we get codes from, you know, these really small indie teams who have maybe made their first game or, you know, maybe it's one of their first games and, you know, they're trying to get their names out there. They're trying to get press for their game. And there's nothing I love more, and I've said it before, than finding seeing one of these indie games in a in a review code email taking the indie game on and just totally falling in love with it and it's like i feel like i just get to do my part for like the game development society where i get to like publish this really positive review about this game that nobody's heard of and that maybe nobody will play so um i've had a handful of these happen this year um 
I really think that a game that I've heard absolutely nobody talk about that I adored earlier this year was Kona, which is the game. It's kind of like um, it's basically like a first person sort of narrative adventure game with a heavy emphasis on adventure. There's a couple survival elements. There's a little bit of combat. There's a, a very strong like narrative mystery going on where you explore this very small um, Canadian town and there's like a blizzard going on and it seems like the town is deserted and you kind of have to go around the city and kind of look through people's cabins, look through like different um, staples in the city, like the hospital or the community center and like some houses and stuff and kind of figure out what the hell happened. And I've heard nobody talk about this game, but I thought it was really great. It was like, right at my alley the writing's good the mystery's good the exploration's good um I, I just really liked it and that's one that i feel like more people need to play um another game i played this year that i feel like nobody's talking about is uncanny valley and uncanny valley is the 2d horror game where you play as a security guard that just got hired to sort of like work the night shift at this like tech firm that's closing down but they still have stuff in the building and that's why you're there watching it and the kind of the hook to this game is the fact that once you finish the game it's almost like a roguelike where like once you finish the campaign it can kind of go in a bunch of different directions and then once you finish it you basically start the whole thing over again and have to play it again you don't have to play it again but should you choose to play it again you can use the knowledge that you gained from your last playthrough and try to take things in a different direction if you want and I uh, I don't think this game this game's like far from perfect, but it's kind of like a little indie darling. I really like it. It really scared me a few times. It has some very creepy moments, um, a couple of really solid jump scares that totally freaked me out. Um, the story is interesting. Very, um, it can go in certain places that are very uncomfortable and very unnerving. And I just feel like nobody's talked about it, but I really like it. Um, a couple more. My last two, uh, Candleman, which I talked about earlier. Um, I love Candleman. It's a third-person puzzle platformer where you play as a little candlestick with legs. And he, the, the hook to the game is that you use the right trigger. If you hold it down, it lights his little fire on his candle. And if you let go, it extinguishes the fire. You only have, I think it's 10 seconds of light per stage for to use the flame on your candle. So you have to be very strategic about how you use the flame to light the area and to light other little lanterns in that area to uh, to like illuminate the path. I think Candleman is fantastic. I love this game. And the way the story rounds out was totally unexpected, totally um, caught me off guard, but in the best way, in, the, in a really um, dreadfully satisfying way for me. And uh, last but not least, uh, which is a weird one for me to say, because this is like a pretty high profile AAA game, is Prey. Um, I love Prey. I played it for dozens and dozens and dozens of hours. I reviewed it. I think I gave it like a 9 out of 10. Um, I love this game. It came from Arcane, uh, which who makes uh, Dishonored, but I think it's like a separate uh, team within Arcane. And, I mean, I feel like this game could have been so much. Um, I mean, it has everything going for it. it. Arcane worked on it. It's published by Bethesda. 
Um, it, it's a reboot. It had been in development for a while. I mean, I just feel like the game was not marketed properly, and Bethesda didn't really try to get this game to find its audience correctly. And therefore, I feel like it came out, and even though it got really pretty positive reviews... I don't think anyone bought it. Uh, like the people who reviewed it seemed to like it. And the people who were kind of into Dishonored, you know, some of them played it and liked it. But uh, Prey is like my number two game of the year right now. I adore this game. And it like pretty much sank as soon as it came out, as far as I can tell. But those are uh, the handful of games that I chose. Uh, Brad, do you have any input or do you want to jump straight to your picks? I was surprised that... Um... <clears throat> Candleman was this year. I feel like it was last year. Was it really this year? Uh, it's currently sitting on my 2017 list, uh, so I think I mean, it was this year. I'm sure. You, I'm sure you're correct. I must. I, it feels like so long ago that I played it. I did like Candleman quite a bit. I think you and I diverged pretty hard on the ending. Although, <laughs> since we're talking about it, I know that they were talking about putting out DLC, and the DLC was actually going to change the ending. So I don't know if that ever happened. I didn't follow up on it. Do you know if that DLC ever came out? Uh, I don't know. And I was actually just thinking about that because whenever I was playing Little Nightmares and I looked up the DLC for that, the thought had crossed my mind to turn the Xbox One on and check out the Candleman store to see if the DLC had dropped. Um, Because I'm definitely interested in playing the DLC. But as far as I know, I mean, I haven't looked it up, but I haven't seen anything about it. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious about that. But I, I do like Candleman quite a bit. It didn't make my top 10, but I did enjoy that one um, a lot. What were the other ones you uh, mentioned? What else did you have? Uh, Kona, Uncanny Valley, and Prey. Oh, Uncanny Valley. That That's what I'm really curious about. I, I've i seen it. I think I saw it on sale once, and I didn't grab it because I heard you say it was really scary. And if it's scary for you, I'm going to shit my <laughs> pants when I play it. Um but now that you're talking about it again, you've kind of got me fired up again. I think I want to try that one sooner rather than later. I'm going to try to get that one in before the end of the year. Uh, Kona, eh, not my... I mean, I hear you saying it, and I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but I just... It's going to be so walkie-talkie or, or walkie and looky. I'm probably not going to like it too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's your kind of game. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But. All right. Okay. I'll give you my... I'll give you my picks. Uh, these are not going to be a surprise to anybody who's listened to the show. See, it really pays off, folks. It really pays off to listen to this show. Like, every episode, <laughs> you're going to have so much, like, downloads, so much in the know, so much uh, inside info. And plus, you'll get all the jokes that we make when we do callbacks. But anyway, um, if you listen to the show, these will all be familiar. Um, most recently, I know for a fact nobody on Earth is playing Xmorph. I just talked about that, like, last episode <laughs> or the episode before. No one's playing it. No one's looking at it. No one's. No one knows about it. Xmorph is phenomenal. It is so good. Those guys deserve every bit of success that they are not getting right now. Um, it, you know, it's it's a straight-up kind of gameplay-focused um, active tower defense. Not everybody's cup of tea, but if you like active tower defense, it's so good. It is like chef's fingers good. It is so good. Um, nobody's playing it, though. Uh, so that's definitely one. Ironic that you brought up Tacoma, because that was one that I felt like people have kind of forgotten about. I know it was getting a lot of hype before it came out. People were really excited. It came out, and I think a lot of people, myself included, were surprised that it was an Xbox One exclusive. I don't think that that was really played up a lot before release. And as soon as that was discovered, it was like a balloon deflating. I, I, I saw like the interest <laughs> in it just really just went away really quickly. Um, just whoosh, all the excitement went away. I think they really missed a trick by doing Xbox One exclusives. 
Uh, I think it's a fantastic game. I love Tacoma. I think it's really, really great. I like it a lot, and I wish uh, it was not exclusive because more people would have played it. We might still be talking about it, but I think they tried a lot of interesting things script-wise and game design-wise. I think it's a great step forward for uh, Fulbright. Uh, Yakuza 0. I got to be honest. Um, Yakuza 0 is not on my top 10 this year. It's not going to be on my top 10. I love the Yakuza series, but I've played like all of them and I just at the point where like I kind of just don't want to play anymore not because they're bad <laughs> but because I mean does that make sense like I like I love the series I think it's great but I've played like five or whatever and I just I just don't want to play them anymore like do you is that make does that make sense to you or does that sound crazy uh, I mean yeah it makes sense like if you're playing I mean if they're not doing a lot to really like innovate the formula of their game then maybe it just kind of feels like you're playing the same game over and over again and after five of those that sounds like something that could be tiring okay perfect okay yes okay it's like it's like um it's like getting like the most delicious piece of cheesecake and you're like you love it and it's so good and like maybe you want to have a second one you have a second one and that's still pretty good but then you're getting kind of full (laughs) and then you got to eat like three more pieces and by the time you're eating the fifth piece you're like i don't want any more fucking cheesecake like you're just done with it but you still love it like it was still good right like, it's not bad. That's kind of how we feel about Yakuza 0. And people were looking at this one, and I've heard some talk, so maybe it's not as overlooked as I feel like it is. But that series is just so long overdue for, for more recognition than it gets. I mean, there's always a core group of people who love each release, and I, I usually count myself among them, and I think this one is great too. Uh, but uh, I, I just think that it just didn't catch on. For some reason, it's just it's too Japanese, or maybe it's not violent enough even though there's a ton of violence in it it's it's really quirky in some ways uh it's one of those series where playing the past games really pays off although with zero is a good place to jump in for newcomers for whatever reason it just doesn't really ever catch on outside of that same core group of people who already love it and i feel like the same thing happened with zero even though this was a really good place to open it up to more people um so although it's not on my personal top 10 i do recognize and respect that a lot of people um like this one a lot. I think more people should love it, though. The last one is probably the the biggest crime out of all these. And I've talked about this one uh, on the show already also. Uh, Shadow Tactics. Blades of the Assassins. I talked about this one, I don't know, a couple months ago. That game is just so fucking good. So fucking good. <laughs> Everything. I mean, it's an amazing game. I mean, tight gameplay. Really complex. Really rich and satisfying. Great story great characters i mean challenging in like a good way uh just i mean the design is so fresh and original i mean i just love everything about it it's everything about it is good uh difficult but not insurmountable by any means and if you learn the systems it's certainly doable i just enjoyed the fuck out of this game this game is very very close to the top on my best of the year list uh and i don't think anybody played it don't think anybody knew of it. I tried my best to get word out. I was pimping it like daily, multiple times a day when it came out. And I couldn't get more than a shrug from people who were on my timeline. A few people, a few people picked it up. I don't want to say nobody did. A couple very smart people with good taste picked it up. Um, and you know who you are. But uh, <laughs> I, I just, it's a shame that nobody's really paying attention to this game because I think it is so, so good. And uh, hopefully people will not totally forget it. When December rolls around, I have not forgotten it. It will be very, very near the top uh, of my list, but I think I may be the only one in the review o sphere who will rank it that highly. So, 
that was my last one, and I don't think I have anything else. Anything else uh, you want to toss in, or, or was that your whole list, Corey? I think that was everything for me. All right, cheap boss attack. I hope that we answered your questions. Also, Mr. Seabor, I hope we answered your question, and I think that brings us to the end of Q&A, correct? It does, and you know what else that brings us to the end of? What does that bring us to the end of, Corey? The whole podcast. <laughs> Yay! Boy, this was a long fucker, too. For some reason, and we say this every time, I feel like, oh, this show's not going to go that long. And, like, here it is. It's, like, two weeks later. Yeah, every every time. Um, and, like, I, I, I feel... Okay, so here... Okay, I've, I've developed a theory about this, Brad. Are you ready? I'm ready. I feel like... Uh, subconsciously, whenever we think we're going to have a short show, we say we only have like three games to talk about instead of like four or five or something. We we accidentally front load the show with extra banter. And then by the time we get around to actually talking about the games, we're like, oh, damn, we need to like get through this so we can talk about these games and not make the show be like four hours long. And I think it's sort of like an accidental like, we like put some more banter in there to try to make the show like a regular length. Then it just ends up being like two and a half hours long. Maybe that very well may be. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened, but uh, I feel like this was an eventful show. I feel like we went places. I feel like we <laughs> felt feelings. I feel like we talked about games. Hopefully people listening are still along for the ride. Um, but I think now, despite the length, we should probably bring it home. In fact, in fact, because of the length, we should bring it home. Bring it home, Corey. Indeed. And because you and I are in separate time zones and it's almost 1.30 in the morning where I am, I am definitely ready to bring this home. So for everybody that's listening, for people who are still tuned in after our A Million Years of Banter and our game discussion and our Q&A, um, this brings us to the end of episode 51 but before we go as always uh we'd like to remind you that you can send us any comments thoughts feedback ideas show ideas questions anything you want uh, you can send it to us uh, at our email or at our twitter account our email is so video games podcast at gmail.com we're also uh on twitter our twitter account is at so video games um, you can also leave us a comment on the uh, Game Critics site. These shows go up on Game Critics, so you, if you leave us a comment there, uh, Brad will for sure see it. I will probably see it after Brad tells me that it's there because um, he's on top of Game Critics comments and I am not. Um, or if you don't want to talk to us on the show handle, you can tweet us individually because Brad and I are very active on Twitter. The show account, not so much. It's basically there just to post the shows. Um but uh, Brad, if somebody would like to get a hold of you on Twitter, how would they go about that? Uh, yeah, you can reach me uh, at Twitter. I am pretty responsive on Twitter. Uh, it's my name, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's, not a single O in my name. <laughs> and my uh, handle is also my first and last name, uh, Corey Motley. It is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Brad, do you have anything else before we sign off? Uh, nothing at the moment, but I would like to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you made it this far, you can count yourself among the super fans. <laughs> and thank you to everybody for sending us Q&A. I love doing Q&A, actually. I wish we got more questions. So if you got questions, send them in. I guarantee we will read them. You will for sure get your question read. Um, even if it's not about games, we will, field, we will field any question. I'm open to questions. 
So uh, I got shit to say. I got advice to give. You want some? <laughs> you want some answers? We got them, boy. But uh, other than that, thanks for listening. Indeed, and that brings us to the official closing of So Video Games episode fifty-one. And we will be back next week with episode fifty-two. But in the meantime, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We'll see you next time.